Spanning the Nerdosphere, talking on everything you want to hear. From comics to cosplay, from the cinematic universe to fan films and everything in between. It's time to get down and nerdy. Here are your hosts, James Witham and Nick Battaglia. You found episode 24 of Down and Nerdy and a couple of guys that can fly, that can fight, and can crow. Yes, yes, very much so. I, but However, though, I thought that, you know, you're telling people my secret identity, my secret abilities. What the shit, man? This, you know, now we're in this whole Civil War thing, and now I got registered. All right, fine. Now I'm just going to go all out. I'm going to say that uh, Bruce Wayne is Batman. Uh, that guy with the glasses that works for the Daily Planet. That's he's Aquaman. Super, he's no, Superman. he's Aqu- he's Aquaman. Goddammit, <laughs> Clark Kent is Aquaman, and and that's that, that's what I think. I mean, have you seen the guy swim? I have. Yeah, it's pretty epic. I'm yeah. James Witham alongside Nick Battaglia. And speaking of Aquaman, we had the breaking news. That's the worst breaking news of in history that Jason Moma is going to play Aquaman. Today. I don't know about that because we're going to get to a story later on our new segment that just literally broke about an hour ago. I'm just saying that this. No, as far as like the worst kept secret. Oh ever, yes. Oh yeah. This is Jason Moma as Aquaman. I think we've reported that six times. It's happening. Let's stop talking about it now. Yep. So I figured I'd just get that out of the way. Yep. So as always, we start the segment off with, you know, what we did over the weekends, what we're doing now, and stuff like that. So James, if you want to start us off? Feel free. I I kind of almost saw turtles like three times over the weekend. I, it was one of those things where. I was just about to like okay we're going my wife and I who's you know and the wife's about to pop so we're trying yeah. to, we so, to, you have to time this out delicately well, let me just get to the saying this that if there's a point and like I said James's wife your wife's do any day pretty much any yeah, moment yeah we basically now. got the any day now so thing is is if James's kid is on the way that during this recording of this week's show I'm here by myself I'll carry the entire show you know, so James can go and see his child be born. And there's plenty of good stuff to talk about, too. So Nick will have plenty to yes. discuss with you if that happens. Hopefully it doesn't happen. But if it does, then, you know, Nick's got this. He's, yep. he's, he's, he knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. So just trust in Nick. Trust in me. He knows what he's doing. But uh, as far as what else I did this weekend, um, just it was just kind of one of those nothing kind of weekends for me. Yeah. And it was my first one in a while. I mean, I, I still, you know, it's one of those... You're an adult, and you have to, like, do laundry yeah. and, you know, vacuum the, the, and stuff like that. The days of, like, where you can just, like, a summer vacation is like, okay, I can just sit at home and just do absolutely nothing as a kid. It's, it's totally gone. Especially now when the baby is literally, like, here pretty much. Yeah, and it's funny how uh, you see the memes on the internet all the time where it's like, uh, this is what you do on your weekends as an adult. And you see, like, kids outside playing, yeah. playing video games, and then this is what you do as an adult, and it's you at Home Depot. Yeah. Yeah, that that happens all the time now. Yeah, I mean, that, that oh my God. That's the thing, it's kind of like, you know, the thing about like social media too, is you see the people like on Facebook, like, hey, we're going to this park, we're here, we're at a concert, and it's like, oh, okay, cool. And then you're just sitting here like, I'm sitting in my living room staring out of my lake, I'm just like, meh. It's, it, I, yeah. I, I, that's what I did, I literally, other than going and seeing uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I literally did nothing. Um, at all. I mean, I worked, but other than that, I mean, that's that's all I did was just relax and, and just read comics. I tell people all the time, there's something to be said for a day where you just do nothing. Yeah. I mean, to me, sometimes those are the best days ever. Oh, yeah. Because you need that day or even couple of days sometimes to just recharge. I mean, I feel like we are just now 
kind of getting back to normal after San Diego Comic-Con yeah. and all that stuff. It was so much. I finally kind of start feeling like I'm getting my legs back under me after that, you know? Yeah. Well, another thing I did over the weekends, I kind of just had like a big viewing party, like, not part of me by myself, well, by myself, but just pretty much just Netflix. The entire, I spent an entire day just watching Netflix. Marathon. Yeah. I did. But instead of a show, I mean, I watched some, I, I started watching It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and it's hilarious. Um, why I didn't start watching it until now, I don't know. But I, I watched, there was a movie that came out, I think it was last year, and it was it was rarely shown anywhere, and it was Lars von Trier's Nymphomaniac. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not something you want to do when your parents are around. I mean, my, my, I, mean I, live, I live on my own, but I'm just saying, like, if you're somebody who lives with your parents, um, and you're on Netflix, like, oh, Nymphomaniac. Do not watch it. I think we've there's all... There's so... If you just watch the trailer, there's so much sex. We've all made that mistake <laughs> once or twice. Where it's you go still to, uncomfortable. You see a movie with your with your mom or your dad, and you don't... Re- but, well, a movie like Nymphomaniac in the title, you kind of know what you're getting. <laughs> but sometimes, yeah. sometimes you don't always know for sure what's going on. So you go and see that movie with your parent, and... All of a sudden, stuff starts happening. You're like, ah. The only mistake I made while watching that was because I live on keeping the blinds open. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, like, and no, don't think the other way. No, my apartment complex. I'm on one of the first, like the first floor. So pretty much anybody that walks by can look into my living room. And the way my TV's positioned, you can see what I'm watching if you're standing at a certain angle. People were setting up lawn chairs at your back door. <laughs> I'm I mean, like, what's this guy watching? I mean, I turn around, my my, my window's totally white, and it's just like, oh, oh I gotta get the window scraper out. And that's it's like bad. It's like chipping paint off of a wall. That's just bad. Yeah, that was my Sunday. But, <laughs> and I just thought of this, and I'm going to do this for my wife because I love her. Uh, she's been giving me a hard time. She actually posted on the page yesterday. Oh, yeah. There is one thing I did watch over the weekend, and yeah. it's a new show on Stars called Outlander. Yeah. Now, she's convinced that we should be talking about this on the show. <laughs> yes, I saw your wife's post. I'm like, oh, my God. I'll give you a very short premise of the show, just so you know if you haven't seen it before. It's based on a book series. And basically, it's about this uh, woman, and this is right after, I think it's World War II. Right. Uh, right after World War II, and she goes on this vacation with her husband, who's kind of tracing back his genealogy, and they go to this field where this ritual just happened. She touches some rock or something and ends up in, like, revolutionary times in England. Uh, actually, it's during the, uh, like, the uh, Irish... The Scottish and British War. Yeah. And uh, basically she finds her husband's ancestor. He's a bastard. And it's like this tale of two times kind of thing. So she says, you know, why aren't you guys, why don't you guys talk about this on the show? And I was like, eh, I don't know. It's kind of borderline. I mean, it, it is a love story, kind of. I mean, there was action in it. I will say right. that. There's some, there's some decent action. Um, she was a nurse in the war. That was interesting. Right. It's not that it wasn't interesting. I just don't know if it fits. Right. So I decided on the page last night, and I think you'll agree with this, but we'll just put it to a vote. If enough people think we should talk about this, if you really think this is nerdy material, demand it. Demand it. Yes, I, I mean, we decided. I agree. We decided Hunger Games we were finally going to Oh, Hunger Games, you gotta about do that. it. Hunger Games, you gotta do it. We're gonna start talking about that, and this show has been wildly successful so far. So <laughs> yes. this, they're saying that this could actually be the 
the stars version of like Game of Thrones. Oh, this, is, I this is their baby. I honestly thought you were talking about us. <laughs> we were saying this show's been wildly successful. I'm like, yes, it has. And you're like, oh no, just like with Game of Thrones. I'm like, oh no, this show has been wildly, wildly successful. Yeah, we haven't been viewed by a million people like Outlander, but still, you know, it's, we've we've done pretty good for ourselves. Yeah, but no, I mean, yeah, put it to a vote, you know. I'm sure whenever I have a girlfriend, it's going to be the same thing, you know. And you know what, too? It wasn't one of those shows where it was just bad. And, and it was like, all, like it was a complete, yeah. it was nothing but a love story. And you just kind of sit there and go, oh. And you just yell at your wife, like, why did you let me fucking watch this? So, why? I mean. And she goes in the corner and cries. And it's it's one of those things where they, there there was a little something for the guys in there. In more ways than one. So um, there, there was, there were things there. There was enough action to keep you interested. The story is is pretty good. So and by by keeping guys interested, boobs. A little bit of that, yeah. Yes. Bit. Actually, more than I expected. To be quite honest, <laughs> I think more than what my wife expected too. And she's read the book. So uh, the other thing is, like, you know, somebody read the. So your wife read the book and she's watched the show. How does she feel about that? She said it was dead on to the book. Okay. It was real. It was a good adaptation from the book. So I, she was really excited about it. Now here's a question, and, and if your wife, you know, who's listening to this, I don't want to get offended by me saying this, but is she a Fifty Shades of Grey woman? Oh yes. Oh Jesus. Oh, Christ. we will, we will be in that movie theater. <laughs> Trust me. We when that movie comes out, we will be in that movie theater. Now are you gonna have like any stipulations like, hey, I'm taking you to see Fifty Shades of Grey, so when we get home. No, well, you know, it's funny because <laughs> you know, put when, the baby to bed early is what I'm saying. Here's the thing: when when my wife and I first got together. Yeah. She was not really a movie person at right. all. I mean, she I had to like fight to get to the movies kind <laughs> right. of thing. So anytime she wanted to go see a movie, I was like, "Cool, let's go." Like the like the Notebook. I think it was the first movie we ever saw together. Not going to lie, the Notebook, I like the Notebook. I had a teammate in college um and he even said we were we were practicing once he was, we were talking about the Notebook. It was how like I was making fun of it and he goes, "Oh, I'm making fun of that. Man, he's like, that's my favorite. He's like, that's my favorite movie." Like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, Eddie, are you serious? And he like dead on was like, I am serious. He gives you that serious dude face, like, man, don't talk about that movie. Yeah, don't do it. And that wasn't a bad movie. I'm not gonna sit here and bash it. It wasn't. No. A, it wasn't a bad movie. It's certainly better than a lot of the other Nicholas Sparks movies that I've seen. Yeah. Throughout the years, so I mean, and you know, she's she was. I think Incredibles was the next movie that we saw together. So. Oh, cool. Anytime, and then now, it, now that we've been together so for it's a while, kind of she's like, more into it now. It's so. kind of like the way you want your wife watching it. It's kind of like when you split Halloween candy. One movie that you want to see. One movie that for me. One lucky for you. For me, one for me. Lucky for me, ninety-five percent of the time we both like the same movie. Okay. Most of the time, we both like the same movie. It's not like couples where you know, like, you know, the guys, the action guy. Oh, yeah. She's all like romantic comedy love stuff. No, that, luckily for me, that doesn't happen. I got really lucky in that regard. Yeah, and it was like she the she wanted. She's the one that wanted to really go see Turtles. She really wanted to go. Yeah, because we'll, she's a Turtles fan. And we'll get to that later on in the show as well. But no, like for a weekend, like yeah, I, I just watched movie. I stream movies. I didn't really go anywhere. Um, Gas yeah, is expensive, dude. It is. <laughs> Gas is expensive, and just, just you know, I see people like party every weekend, like on Facebook or whatever. I'm like, I'm like, and nothing against these people who go out and clubbing and stuff like that. But I'm like, you know, at a certain point, doesn't it kind of get repetitive? I've and kind never of get, been that guy ever. I used to be that guy. Ever. I mean, I used to like my. I used to date a girl that used to work in a club, so I kind well, of kind of hard went kind of hard yeah. not to go, um, but. Uh, uh, a couple of them actually, um, 
But um, no, it was just like I, I just you know when you see going places every week and it's just you know or the same drinks and whatever. I'm like, I'm just like, and it's not like I said, I'm not putting people down to do it. No, absolutely not. But I'm just saying, like, I just don't see the the intrigue of like, okay, every weekend, like it's the same same <laughs> DJ spin the same songs. Plus, for me, and I, and I don't drink. I'll preface it by saying that, but I I I, I look at receipts. Yeah. Alcohol is expensive. Yeah. Man. I mean, that, you want to run up a tab quick. It's like, I'd rather, wow. I, like, I drink, but not a lot. You know, I, I'm not, I, I drink on occasion. You know, um, I, I have a nice but, but glass of wine. Yeah, you're like a glass of wine kind of guy. Or, or you know, sometimes when I'm watching the movie, I want to pour some Bailey, have a Bailey's on the rocks, yeah. you know? But yeah, you look at it, it's like, okay, two Bailey's at a, at a bar or a club, it'd be like $12. <laughs> to it's like, I can go out and buy just a, for a few hundred dollars more. Just buy a bottle of Bailey's. Now I'm kind of I'm kind of cheap, admittedly so, and I make no apologies for it. I just look at I look at shots when people right. do shots, and I'm like, that's one sip. And then you see how much they are. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me right now? Unless it's Fireball, because Fireball is amazing. I mean, I've got like I've got it's a like can. drinking it's like drinking a Fireball. It's like it's like drinking a, a stick of Big Red. It's amazing. All I know is I can. Finish this can of Pepsi over time, <laughs> and it cost me at most like seventy-five cents. And you know you're not gonna get pulled over and ask for a breathalyzer. Exactly. So I mean, but that hey, that's my personal preference. Like you said, I don't put people down that do that, but I agree. I don't know how it doesn't get old. Speaking of personal preferences, we're gonna go to what we're reading after this break. We're gonna have our couple, couple new comics that we 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 read, and me it was more of catching up and finally finishing a series, mm-hmm. um, which was. Pretty, you know, pretty good. One thing you can always be sure of when you listen to Down and Nerdy, we always, always, always focus on the comics right off the bat. Unlike San Diego Comic Con, yes. That's right. Boy, will we get to them a little bit later on. But of course, we're going to get to what we're reading. And I know that I personally have been a little indie heavy lately. But Nick, you decided to revisit something from our good buddy Drew Moss. I did. And, you know, I talked about the Crow Pestilence a few weeks ago. um, And I said how I had book one, but... Finding books two, three, and four were a bit tough. And that's a, a problem for not just you. Actually, I was if you look on social media, there are people that have been looking for this, can't find it. It's like the white whale of comics. <laughs> it's the great white buffalo. Exactly. But I went to our buddy Bob over Fantasy Escape Comics and Cards, and I said, hey, I go, there's a comic series I want to see if you can get for me. And he said, what? I said, it's the Crow Pestilence. And he said, okay, I'll see what I can do. And Bob came through. There's no, I'm convinced there's no comic that Bob can't find no. at this point. Because he's done the same thing for me on a couple of occasions. And I, it's it's amazing. So again, you, as you mentioned, our buddy Drew Moss did the artwork for it. It's written by Frank Bill. Now where the first issue picked off. Now literally last night I got home and from the gym and literally power read. Not power read, but I, I, the, the final three books. And it, it was just Remember how I said after the free in the first time, like, I want to get to the second one. Mm-hmm. This is exactly how it was, but except this time I actually had the books to follow through and immediately jump through and continue the story. So it picks up again. Salvador he kills one of the guys responsible for uh, his, him and his wife and his child's death. Mm-hmm. So it picks up with him pretty much going across America, going across the South mostly, hunting down who you know these guys who were responsible for who were in the room. So he's hunting down guys like Mange Hound and Warhound Lou, who's pretty much the head of the the uh, <clears throat> the gang, the SDC gang, mm-hmm. and you know they do all the, all the trafficking and stuff like that, and gambling and, and drug running and everything, and and so he's traveling out the U.S. and he's just panel by panel. The art is fantastic because it's just like 
remember how like in the the hundredth was the hundredth anniversary Spider Man? I said it was yeah. just a bunch of panels like that, but there's no story kind of you know, yeah. no true story following. This one's totally different. Like Drew did a good job with drawing out Salvador and just what he's doing to these guys. And there's times where all you hear is the sound effects. All you're reading is the sound effects, but you can still get a gist of like okay, the central part of the story. That was one of the things that struck me with Outcast last week is there was literally like a page and a half of art where it's just like him getting dressed and, you know, like putting his hand on his head kind of thing. Yeah. You know, like it's almost like panel by panel anguish. And I think that it takes a really great artist to be able to do something like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the cover arts, I mean, again, they had that chalkboard kind of feel to them. Except for the final book. Book four was kind of like more of a finer look on the cover. But when you read it, and the thing was is like, Here's the thing with art, too, is that I've noticed in some books, the art is sometimes, even though it's the same guy doing all the art, it's not consistent. Right. It's where, like, characters may look different in certain panels. And there are times where Zelda looked different, but it wasn't, like, bad, like, where it was noticeably different or whatever. It was just, it was consistent. The art was consistent each panel. And the great part is, too, is I think what also helped, too, is the pages they were put on. When you feel the pages are a bit more of a rougher style, if you pick, like, an older... Uh, comic book. I love that too. That's what they I, feel like. I'm a huge fan. They of don't that. feel like the, the smooth new pages. They mm-hmm. feel like you're picking up like an old book from 10, 20 years ago mm-hmm. and going through it, which is really great. I think it, it adds to that grittiness because this whole thing, if you don't know, it's 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 drawn in darkness. Like yeah. there's no yeah. scene where the sun is up at all. You know, the only part there's illumination is if there's candles or some sort of like a light. You know, but other than that, that's pretty much the way the art is drawn, and it's smart, and it's pretty hard to do when you're an artist too. Definitely, it's, you know, especially with consistency. Is like, okay, we gotta show what's going on here. We we need to know, you know, what's happening, and how can I make it seem like okay, people aren't looking at the same panels over and over again because right. a lot of this takes place indoors, and a lot of the houses, and a lot of the, the dungeons or whatever, um, <clears throat> you know, basements are kind of look the same a little bit, you know, in, in certain things. But here, it's totally different. Here, it's hard to variate that kind of thing. Yeah, but what Drew does great is he, he's able to get that point where you can vary the difference. Like, okay, he's not in the same building. He's in this and that. So anyway, going back to the story, you know, and Frank Bill did a great job because as I texted you last night, I'm like, episode, like issue, the last part of issue three and the last part of issue four just mind fucks you in a good way. Mm-hmm. So there's this guy named Agent Diaz who's he's he's one of those you know narc. He's in with the SDC, but he's a cop, mm-hmm. and he's investigating like all these attacks. Now the, the SDC, you know, the, this gang thinks that um, some other rival gangs sent an assassin, and well, it ends up being Salvador. And nobody knows until perhaps like the later half of issue three. So pretty much, Salvador finds Mangehound and he he kills him and. Then, Big spoiler at the end of book three. Now, this is a spoiler, so if you don't want that, this, you know, maybe fast forward a little bit. But the big spoiler at the end of episode or book three is that Diaz is actually Salvador's brother. Oh wow! And and he he said after that he because he's because the cops are his you know back at base are telling him hey get out of there get out of Juarez mm. you know it's too dangerous especially with this assassin you're too deep with the SDC and he, then he pretty much says you know fuck you. My, this is my brother who's been doing this, and I'm going to help him get his retribution on right, these guys. Right. And, you know, so book four, it starts off with another big spoiler. So, you know how Salvador's wife and his kid were killed in the beginning, right? Right. And that's the whole reason why he's alive. Turns out they're actually alive. Wow. The reason, now people are saying, well, how does that make sense? Well, here's the thing. When Salvador was being killed, 
right? After he, he didn't throw the fight and everything, he was hit with a drug, which is a, a hallucinogen. So what he actually saw was another woman and child being murdered, but he, in his mind, thought it, it projected that it was he his wife and child. He just made it them. Yes. Okay. So that's why. And now you're asking, well, if he was sent for his main reason to avenge their deaths, then why is he? It's like, well, because he still thought it was them. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, he, he even, you know, and even if he, even if he already knew it was them or wasn't them, um, you know, it's still a murder that happened from his eyes. Right, exactly. So you still want to get some sort of retribution. And so um, his wife and child are now, you know, act as Lou's, you know, um, wife and child when they're not, you know. And and it's kind of one of those things we see, like we kind of saw it in Spawn, you know, for those who read the comic or watched the movies, when Al Simmons gets killed, what happens, his friend moves in, Marries his wife right. and takes out care, right. but it's kind of like if in this way, um, if you know, Al Simpson's boss married his wife and and, and yeah, his father's daughter. That's crazy, man. Um, but anyways, so long story short, guys get killed, um, and Salvador gets gets retribution. And the thing is, is that you know. It's it's it was kind of touching because it's like Salvador's son is, is a teenager now. And it's kind of who is that? And his uncle goes out as your father. He was a great man. And there was a part where you actually thought Salvador was going to die because you say, well, how is that? Well, the crow ends up getting shot. So when a crow's hurt, Salvador, you know, he, he's getting killed. He, right. you know, he's no longer invulnerable. And so there was a real part of me where I was like, oh, shit, he's going to fucking die, you know, or at least be really, really near death. And how his brother finds out Salvador's the murderer is because he sees the crow, and he the crow bites him and infuses him with, like, what the crow sees. Right. And he saw that. He's like, oh, my God, Salvador's not, you know, he's, he's the one that's doing this. I got to go help him. And it ends with Salvador going up the steps, coming from the basement, and there's a white light. Wow. And so it's, and it says, says the end. It's just imagery. Like, it's very, very good imagery. Again, this for me, because you can't pull it because it's already done. Go out, buy it, order it, and goddamn, if you're someone with Drew Moss, you have him fucking sign it. Absolutely. And I'm sure that uh, IDW will make this a trade uh, at some point. So when you get your comics and you get the comic shop newsletter in your bag with your, with your pulls, Look through that and always make sure, you know, keep in mind, this will be a trade at some point. Also, I want to give a big shout-out to our buddy Drew Moss again because, as you know, he's, he's freelance. He works at IW, but he also just picked up a gig with Dark Horse. So I just want to say congrats, Drew, on that. Well-deserved, sir. Definitely. And we'll, we'll get more info from you on, on more of the details of what he's got going on. I know he needs to keep it a little hush-hush right oh, yeah. now. So. But that's still a big, big thing for him. So, I mean, so now, James, now you went... Not only Marvel, but you went with the Marvel books. You actually said there was a bunch of holy shit moments in it as well. And I'm sure this will surprise you because what we're talking about is this: the this is the first issue in the Edge of the Spider Verse arc, which is the Spider Verse arc that's coming. This is kind of like the prelude to that, kind of right. like they did prelude to Infinity. I mean, uh, to Trinity War with uh, DC. Right. Uh, and it's Superior Spider-Man number 32. Now I know your feelings on this, so. Bear with me on this, because this was very different. And the plot, of course, was still by Dan Slott. 
But they also had a script guy, Christos Cage, that came on to help write this issue as well. Right. And the pencils were by Giuseppe Colo... Comancoli. There we go. Giuseppe Comancoli. Inks by John Dell. Thank you so much for having an easier name. And uh, Antonio Fabella that did the colors. Now, if you were reading Superior Spider-Man throughout the run like I was, this actually takes place during Superior Spider-Man number 19. I'll give you a quick refresher on that. It's basically when Doc Ock, as of course Spider-Man, he disappeared for 24 hours after there was a temporal implosion at the Horizon Labs that was involving Spider-Man 2099 Miguel O'Hara. And it turns out Tiberius Stone, who Miguel went back to save because of something happened in his time, actually tampered with the equipment. That's what caused the accident. So it's so, kind of like, um, for those of you who are reading Hulk vs. Iron Man, I kind of stopped because it kind of was like, okay, that's, that's it. I don't need to read anymore. It's pretty much sets up to where um, the reason why the, the Gamma Bomb went off was because Tony Stark in a drunken rage said you know, he had a fight with Banner, and he's like, okay, I'll fix your... Re- kind yeah. of thing and he ended up fucking with the bomb and yeah. killed Banner the only thing that the Hulk. difference here is is that Tiberius Stone's just a bastard so that's a, it's a totally different story but uh, basically uh, Superior Spidey ends up in like kind of a limbo in time it's it's fractured time and then all of a sudden he finally lands of course where else in 2099 so he said you know they robbed you they robbed their spider-man i guess that's why i ended up here right so immediately the public eye which is kind of like the security force for the city now attacks him now usually when they attack spider-man he runs away so they were surprised when he attacks them right for attacking him so they're shocked, and they say, you know, they're going to get go get reinforcements. And Miguel's brother, Gabriel, was actually right there and saves Superior Spider-Man, you know, but, you know, Doc Ock didn't really want to be saved. But right. he said, look, they're coming back with bigger guns. You need to come with me. So he brings him back to Miguel's apartment because he says, I need equipment to get back to my own time. And what was interesting is that they actually had this, uh, this hologram that was basically a... Um, like a hollow agent, like, what can I do for you? It's hooked right. up to the computer system. So he's talking to this thing. He's like, I have no use for you now. You can go. And what's totally Doc Ock about this is he finds the equipment he needs. He he pretty much robs Stark and Fujikawa headquarters and Alchemax to get the parts for the thing <laughs> that he needs. And they already hate Spider-Man in their time anyway. So, you know, they don't really think anything of it. They just think that he's Spider-Man being Spider-Man. Right. So right after they do that, though, then you get the human element of Doc Ock because he's actually transformed the hollow agent to look like Anna Maria, right. his girlfriend. So it's almost like, okay, yeah, he's a bastard, but oh, yeah, he's a, he's a human, too, because he still loves his girlfriend, which has always been the interesting dynamic in that book. So basically, he gets back to what he thinks is his own time, and this is where it starts to get nuts. Okay. So they tell him he's arrived 12 hours in between when he left the first time. Right. So the, fir- the first thing you see in the next panel is just rubble and destruction and fire everywhere. And there's people running, and they see Spider-Man. It's like, wasn't he here just a second ago? And Doc Ock's like, what the hell are you talking about? So basically, he goes around the corner to find the Fantastic Four. And this is a spoiler. He goes around the corner to find the entire Fantastic Four all dead. Wow. They are all dead. And then right next to them is a dead Spider-Man with a double puncture wound to the chest. Now the Spider-Man has a five on the chest. 
Turns out he's in a parallel timeline where Spider-Man actually joins the Fantastic Four. Because that was actually also the previous Marvel run years ago where mm-hmm. Spider-Man was part of Fantastic Four. So, and then he keeps, basically, there's a snapback protocol in the time travel. It's like, okay, let's go back and try again, try and get me back to my own time. So this happens several times. And in each universe he gets to, there's a dead Spider-Man in every single one of them. And they're all Peter Parker. Right. The trippy thing is, if you see the panels, there's one panel where Magneto is clearly taken over the Earth. Right. He's the ruler. There was another one where Iron Man was on a poster that says, you need to register, a la... Civil War. Civil War. So, every universe, there was a dead Spider-Man, all with the same double puncture wound. So, he arrives in another timeline, just in time to save another Spider-Man. And you finally get a look at the villain, and... This is going to sound corny, but this is the best way I can describe it if you haven't read the book. He kind of looks like he's wearing one of those, you know those old school, big, deep sea diving helmets? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, imagine a smaller version of that with like a tube sticking out of it and a long coat that kind of looks like something like the lead pirate would wear. Okay. That's the only way I can describe it. But, I mean, and this guy, you can just definitely tell despite my description that he's a badass. Yeah. Could it be possibly? Well, one would think it would be Mysterio, though. But it, it looked similar, but it definitely wasn't. Because that was my first thought at, at first too. But then I'm like, wait a minute, this guy's way too much of a. He clearly skilled in combat. The weapon is basically, you know, those serving forks you'd use at Thanksgiving to get the turkey off. Yeah. The big two prong things. Yeah. It looked like a long one of those on a spear with like a blade on the front of it. That okay. was the weapon, and it was glowing on the top. I'm not sure if that makes a difference yet or not. So he saves this other Spider-Man and basically tells him, you idiot, you know, you're going to die if you don't come with me because we need an army to fight this guy. So he's this other Spider-Man says, I'm honored that I'm the first. And he says, what do you mean you're the first? They get back to 2099 and there's an army of Spider-Man that he's already assembled. One of them actually has multiple arms. Another one has yeah, a the, tail. The, the one has multiple arms. The, that was from, if I'm correct, one at least one you're thinking about. We're talking about is one from Civil War because mm-hmm. he joins up with Tony Stark and Tony Stark mm-hmm. gives him the new Spider-Man suit. One of them has a tail. One of them actually carries a gun. There's another one that looks like Scarlet Spider-Man, but I couldn't be 100% sure because of the way it was drawn. Right. And so he's already assembled this army. So there's that understanding that, hey, we need an army to fight this guy. And then there was actually a, another side story after that that normally I wouldn't read, but I decided, you know, what the hell. So this other Spider-Man that... that kind of looked like Scarlet Spider-Man, but I kind of got the impression that it wasn't as I was reading. This Spider-Man was actually trained by Wolverine. Right. And it picks up with them fighting this villain who never got a name in the issue. The villain stabs Wolverine with this with this spear and vaporizes Wolverine. Wow. He turns skeletal immediately dead, vaporized, gone. And Spider-Man's like, I didn't even think that was possible. I didn't think Logan could die at all. So again, Doc Ock shows up and says, you know, we need to kill this guy. And this other Spider-Man's like, I think killing is necessary. And Doc Ock says, well, then we need to team up. I need another person like me. And that's kind of where it ends. Yeah. With that side arc. I'm kind of getting the impression we're going to get side arcs on all the different Spider-Man. There was a woman, too. A right. Spider-Man, a woman version of Spider-Man. It wasn't, the, it wasn't the Mary Jane version or anything like that. It wasn't one that I really recall. Right. So... All in all, I gotta say, it was very interesting. It was a great setup 
for the Spider-Verse. And I texted you last night, I said, this, if this is what Spider-Verse is going to be like, I'm all in. Because I need to know, you know, where this villain come from, why is he... And he's only hunting Spider-Man. He's not doing any other damage. He's not attacking anyone else that doesn't attack him. Right. He just wants Spider-Man. And they all kind of realized that. The art was really good. It flowed very nice, nicely despite the constant time jumps. You knew you were in a different time. It wasn't one of those things like you said, how do you know he's in a different room? Because of the coloring. Because it was all kind of destruction every universe he went to. But they did a very good job of making sure you knew, okay, you're in a different timeline right now. Yeah. So, I mean, the art was very good. The storyline kept you interesting. Kept you interested. If you liked the snarky Doc Ock, Superior Spider-Man, there's plenty of that in there as well. Uh, and it's just going to be interesting to see how all these Spider-Men and women interact with one another going forward because there seems to be this common understanding they need each other to fight this evil but they don't know why yet yeah so i just think it was a great kicking off i would pull this now jump on the spider-verse now because it looks like it's going to be very interesting and how does peter parker factor into all this at some point because you know he's going to mm -hmm. and he thinks doc ock is gone what's going to happen when he finds out at some point that Doc Ock isn't gone. Did they get a Peter Parker from the past? Did they get the Peter Parker from now? And how does that play in? I just think it's it's there's a lot of interesting things they could do with this. Something tells me they're gonna reach into the amazing the current Amazing Spider-Man run and get the Peter Parker in the current Amazing Spider-Man run. And there's gonna be that what the hell moment. I thought I got yeah. rid of you. And it's just and this is supposed supposedly all happens during the 24-hour period where Doc Ock superior Spider-Man disappears. In the original Superior run, so obviously if you're jumping back in time, time doesn't mean anything. But it'll be very interesting to see where they go with it. Yeah, I mean, so then those are our two comics. Again, both of us say, you know, get the Crow Pestilence, go get the Spider, you know, the Spectacular Spider-Man um, intro prelude into the Spider-Verse. Um, was, was there a certain title for it? Or? It was the Superior Spider-Man number 32 was oh, okay. the actual issue, but it says Edge of Spider-Verse uh, okay. right on top of the issue. So again, go get those. And yeah, great artworks, great story. But come up next, we're going to discuss. Uh, we actually both want to see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles this weekend. We're going to give you our review on that. Also, let's talk about the sad departure of Rob Williams and more uh, other n n news. And also, for our main topic this week, it's our first annual Nerdy Awards. You won't want to miss that. So stick around. More Down Nerdy come up next. Well, I think that in, along the interwebs, this has probably been talked about more than any other film so far this year, whether good or bad. So we're going to dive right into the heroes in the half shell, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yes. Now, I saw this on, God, when did I see it? Friday? Yeah, Friday. I went Sunday. Okay, you went Sunday, I went Friday. And, um, yeah, it, it, I wanted to go at, here's what kind of pissed me off. I was like, okay, I wanted to go at, it was a 7.05 showing. I'm like, okay, cool. And it was, I hate 3D movies. I do. I don't hate them, but I like saving the extra couple of bucks. That, and also <laughs> the fact that I wear glasses. I hate wearing glasses over That's glasses. That's tough. I always wear my contacts when I go to any 3D movie. Yep. But I, mean, I try contacts. I just can't do it. But, um, no. So, anyways, it was sold out. So, I'm like, oh, fuck. I'm like, and the next one wasn't until, like, 1030. So, I'm like, I'm not going to drive all the way back home, even though it's not even that long of a drive, to come back, you know, just use gas. I'm like, I'm already here. Well, all right, what time is, of course, the 3D one was at 650, it was 655 when right, I bought my tickets. Right. I'm like, oh, sh fuck it, I'll just spend the extra five and, you know, whatever and get it. So I'm going to go see it. 
in 3D, and yeah, I it, it was still packed. I was not impressed. I mean, going into it, I knew okay, Michael Bay's producing it. Um, John Leesman is not a good director. I mean, he's a bail for L.A. and a couple of shitty films. Um, it's just like, but I said on Facebook on our Facebook page down nerdy. I said, I it was bad, and it, it, but it wasn't like fuck you bad. It wasn't like where I said it wasn't like Transformers. It didn't make me walk out and say, oh screw this movie. Right. It didn't make me. It didn't piss me off like Iron Man three did. You know. What I would have done differently. There's, there's the main, the main problem, and I think this, this is the main problem of a lot of movies we've seen this summer, especially when we talk about like Godzilla and this one in general, is the fact that they, the, you know, the title gives off what it's about. Mm-hmm. They don't spend time or near enough time showing what it's about. Like, you know, the movie's called Teenage Ninja Turtles, but we spend a lot of the time. Looking at and, and watching April O'Neil, I'm sorry, Megan Fox is not a good actress. She the entire time she has no different facial expressions. Um, she was just just a bunch of heavy, heavy breathing. It's like oh my god, you felt like she was running a mile, at like every between every take, and it's just it just they could have had somebody else better, I thought, and just the writing was just wasn't great. Um, but I'm gonna start off just by saying like with Megan Fox, it's like they could have done somebody different. And the thing with Megan Fox, like I said, she has dead eyes. She, she, you know, doesn't her facial expressions don't change at all, really. So it's kind of like you don't. Okay, you're playing this bland character, like this. What? What? Well, that's that's her though. Like, yeah, like it, you said, that's that's her. But but when like they find like like you know this person killed her father, it's like what you killed my father? It's like oh my god, it's the same thing. It's like. I, I wish they went that way, and then you know, Will and I thought that, that it was kind of creepy with how he was trying to court her. Same thing with Michelangelo too. Uh, well, uh, the Michelangelo thing, I, I get that, um, but this is what I did when I went to see it because I had the luxury of going to see it on on Sunday. Right. So I kind of saw what everybody was saying, and I went into it, and I did two things, and I think this was a huge favor to myself. The first thing I did was I went into it realizing that this was made by Nickelodeon. Right. And therefore probably not made for adults. They, this right. movie was not made it for It was us. geared more for the 10-year-olds. The other thing that I did was I decided to treat this movie as its own entity. Right. I decided well, that's what to, I did too. I didn't compare it to... Yeah, I, I decided, okay, I'm going to empty my mind of, of the movies that I grew up with. And I'm going to empty my mind of the cartoons or any comics that I've read. Because... Nostalgia is a powerful thing. Yeah, uh, it's hard to see something that's being redone and, and rebirthed, I guess you could say, and, and and not think of what happened before. Uh, I will actually say that I, I didn't dislike it. I didn't think it was this great movie either. Uh, like you said, it wasn't. It wasn't. Um, there were parts of it that were certainly bad. But overall, when I was done, I was like, huh, that wasn't nearly as bad as everybody said it like, was. Like, one thing I think they got right, though, and I'll say this, is that they got the personalities of each other right. They got Raphael right. perfect. They got him I'm perfect. I'm sorry. That, if they did anything right in that movie, Raph it was, was the personalities. perfect. The voiceover work for Raph was perfect. I didn't dig Johnny Knoxville's Leonardo, but he did okay. The only real problem I have with this movie, other than uh, Megan Fox, I knew going in with Megan Fox that right. she wasn't going to be great, so I kind of left that alone. 
Uh, I really didn't like what they did with Splinter. Yeah, yeah, that was about to, I was about to get into that. I didn't like the look. I didn't like the all black eyes. I thought that was a little I weird. Didn't I didn't. Like, I get why they did it, but I didn't like it. I didn't like like Tony Shalhoub. I mean, doesn't make doesn't like doesn't match. Like, it was, and I'm sorry. But when you decide to put, say fuck it to all the teachings of Yoshi and say, oh, how does Splinter learn karate? Oh, he picked up a book. Fuck you. Yeah, was, that was kind of lame. Yeah, that that was kind of lame. But it was for me. It was more the look of the character. Oh, the look. It was bad CG too. It looked I really just didn't bad. like this, this smooth, slick, skinny kind of yeah. look. I wasn't a fan of that. So if I had if I had one major complaint about the movie, it was that now. The kicker is, and if you haven't seen it yet, of course, this is always a spoiler-filled review. Remember the complaint that um, William Faulkner was going to be Shredder? Was going to be Shredder? Didn't happen at all. No. How they managed to keep that a secret, I don't know. I, well, it wasn't much of a secret because if you watch one of the trailers, he says, and this, they don't. The thing is, they don't know. They don't say if it's Arukusaki or not. I will say that it is. It definitely is. But, but yeah. he says we've made some adjustments to your armor, and that's when you see him do the whole blade thing. And so that's why I'm like, okay. That, I'm like, okay, he's not going to be Shredder. It's going to be Arukusaki or somebody close to Arukusaki. I got to be honest. When I was kind of worried, okay, this this armor is really big. Is it too big? Um, but when I saw it, and I'm like, okay, it is 2014. And then you realize the turtles are over six foot. They're a lot bigger. And they actually didn't look as big on screen as I thought they were going to right. originally. So that was one of my things, too, that I thought. The now, only, the only... With, with Shredder... Mm-hmm. When I saw the upgraded armor, at first I was like, wait a minute. And then I said, when then when he shoots out the blades and then yeah. the magnets and brings it yeah. back, I was like, holy shit. Yeah. This is serious stuff. So I actually dug the Shredder suit. I, I, for when I first saw Shredder, I'm like, oh my God. It's like what he did with, with uh, the Wolverine and Silver Samurai where he's a mech. And I'm like, you know, but then I'm like, I saw it again with the whole retraction, the whole magnetic thing. I'm like, Okay, this is some nice. You know, it's 2014. It's the suit needs to be upgraded. Yeah, you've upgraded, and they've and it's not like it's out of nowhere either. They actually say we've upgraded it. Here's how and why we did it, kind yeah. of thing. So they laid a foundation for it. Yeah, which I thought was great. So I mean, you know, we, you know, you talk about like we talk about the size of the turtles and everything. Like that. But here's another thing that that bugged me too is just their whole origins. It's like, it's like you know we've we. A lot of their origin, even in the, in the comics, is based off of an accident. It's an accident that you know they stumbled onto the ooze, and that is how it happened. Here, they're tested on, and April. And why do they love pizza so much? Well, because April feeds them pizza. It's like no. And I understand that. There's you're... the part that was geared for the kids right there. That was why they changed it. That was the part that was geared to the kids. And I'm not saying that I thought it was a great way to do it. Right. But. That's why they did it, and that's why I didn't get as furious about that like I normally probably would have was because I was like, okay, they specifically did this for the kids. They right. did this because that was an easier way to tell the story. Right. And there, you know, you don't the whole accident thing. I mean, I'm not saying it's not easy to say, oh, there was an accident, a canister broke, and yada, yada, yada. Right. I'm not saying that that's not easy too, but it's more... I don't know, friendly, I guess, yeah. with the whole April interaction and tying them into her origin. I'm not saying it was great, but I'm saying it's it's somewhat believable. Well, I mean, somewhat? I mean this is a movie about giant fucking turtles. So I yeah, mean, so when, don't when, when, when you say the word believable, when you say the word believable, it's kind of like 
Okay. It's more of like a, I see what you did there. Yeah. Kind but of. here's the problem, too, is that... So William Fickner's character, he goes, why is he a bad guy? He goes, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to spread a virus, and then what's going to happen is we're going to use the turtle's blood harvested by us to make it, and I'm going to be even more rich. It's like, really? Like, that's your whole thing is just to get more money? It's not like to take over the world or do whatever. Well, I mean, if it's, you have enough money, you can take over the world. But what I'm saying is that he's a billionaire. And it's, the thing, too, is like the, the – the, the, this is a spoiler, but the, the spire – is filled with the gas, and it's on top of his building. That, that so if you're see, somebody on the fucking street of yeah. New York City and you see a spire shoot out red gas as it does, and you see that, you say, "Huh, I wonder who's responsible for this." Yeah, I, that that did bother me. It's like, what you think you're just gonna get away with this? It came from your friggin' building. How do you think that nobody's gonna see that this happened? That did bother me. As far as the money thing, I. Uh, you know, villains, you can never have enough money. Right, but the thing is, too, is, is you know, you talk about another side of villains, which is the foot. And it's like, I didn't like it. Did not like what they did with them either. Because I, I'm I, like... The guns bothered me. The guns bothered me only because I'm like, it, it takes away... When you put, you put guns in their hands, and this is the time I'm only going to refer back, not really back to the old movies, but just to the comics again. They're from Japan. You know, I understand you want to have it in today's society, but... There's stuff like this, like ninjutsu stuff, still going on. You can't. It's Mike. It's a Michael Bay movie, so I guess you can't have people not have guns in their hands but in a Michael Bay movie. But, but I just you think that it's it's a miss because they weren't really a Foot Clan. They were more like mercenaries. Mercenaries. But exactly. if you but if you look at it too, is in the scenes where the the, the turtles are going against them. There's not really any hand-to-hand combat. It's always the turtles kick them. They go well, I was flying. Say, not by the Foot Clan anyway. <laughs> yeah. But that's the thing is like you take a gun out of their hand, they're pretty much fucking useless. Yeah, that, that didn't and, bother and me. And another thing that bothered me too is the fact that the scene where they're at the compound and notice it's summertime and there's no snow. Yet you go to the compound, there's snow everywhere. That's another continuity thing that bothered me a little bit. Well, I don't know if it but, was but, I don't know if it was summertime necessarily. But still but but you know, people wearing like April O'Neil was wearing a jacket half the movie. So But she was also jumping outside shot. on a trampoline. Yeah. Well, so women anyways, are different, man. Women have a different anyway, heat and cooling system in their body. Anyways, continuity aside, the thing that, as well, was when the turtles, you know, of course, when they're getting shot, they turn the shells to them, and it deflects them. However, they turn around, and they get shot, and they're bulletproof. Yeah, popping the bullets out of the chest was weird. That was a little weird. I didn't. It's like so. Wait a minute. You can't kill these things. I didn't get the. I didn't get that at all. I think they would have been fine if they would have stayed turned around and did did it that way. But then when you turn around and your book now, no, I don't think you could do that. No, no. I just. I think that as far as the turtles go, I actually think they did a good job. I'll be honest. I think they yeah. did a good job with each individual. But I character. think that when it comes down to the, to the voices, other than than Raph's voice. I think I would, or it, it kind of Mikey. When I when Mikey talked, I thought I was listening to Jonah Hill speak. I don't know why, but it did, it did the, sound like Jonah. It other, did sound like Jonah Hill. Other than those bit. two, I would recast Donnie and Leo more definitely, differently. Which because Leo didn't feel like Leo to me because Leo's the most, even yes, I understand they're teenagers, but Leo is by far the most wisest of all the turtles. As far as leadership skills, yeah. as far and, as and just actual talk. intelligence, Donatello's. Right, the smarter but, one, but like leadership-wise, and uh, 
I guess speaking wise. He yeah. Is, yeah. Um, and I didn't like the fact, like I said, I mentioned they have okay all these different looks, so you can identify all their who you know, their personalities. Um, Donatello, I don't think you need to have the nerd glasses with no, the tape in between them. No, I mean, I, I think I understand the the goggles because that was like an analytics kind of yeah. thing. So I get you're upgrading it in that sense. So at first I had a problem with that, but then I then I realized why they did it, and I said, yeah. oh, "Okay, I'm okay with that." They actually used the tech. It yeah, the nerd glasses again. That's Michael Bay's a stereotype guy. I think we know that from yeah. his past films. That's why he did it. Didn't care for it. Not a deal breaker for me, but I agree. I thought that was a little unnecessary. I mean, you and I are wearing glasses right now with their, their tape free. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think we need to do that. No, anymore. like I said, overall it was a bad movie. However, this is a movie I, if, you know, this is a movie where if it's on Netflix, I'll watch it again. I would definitely watch it again. I think that it's gotten a lot of unnecessary heat. By people that can't let the past go. Right. And that's I, the thing is, I went in, like, we both went in, and I said, I'm not going to compare this to the other one because they were done differently and everything in and, a different time. And am I saying all the jokes were funny? No, they weren't funny. No. But, but when she, when Will Arnett looked at April and said, uh, and said, so they're aliens, and she looked back at him and said, no, that would be stupid, I laughed my ass off just because of the original way they were going to go. The original concept. So they took that, they put it in, made a joke of it. I thought that was hilarious. The scene where they're falling off the tower, and Raphael oh, he's pouring his, whole, his heart out, yeah. and they've been on the ground half the time. That was hilarious. But not everything was funny. But it did have its funny moments. All right. But anytime I heard a joke that I didn't think was funny, I was like, nah, that one's for the kids. Yeah. So, or it's for somebody that just likes really, really bad jokes. And yeah. I've, I tell my fair share, but it's a little different. But I, I agree with you. I... I I th- I actually enjoyed it. I put the past away, and I enjoyed it. I don't want to. S- I've said this a million times, and I'm going to make it a million and one. I don't want to see the same things I've seen before. Right. I just don't. If and you're, I mean, I mean, if you're going to fail, and I still don't think this. And was the a problem failure, too is with give me something different. And the problem with, with now, and this goes to parents too, is I read a lot of stuff about parents were saying, "Well, it was too like this one was too violent." I'm like, I totally disagree. I'm with like, that. I totally disagree. I'm like, it's about Ninja Turtles and they're kicking ass. No, they're going to have violence in there. Most, and it's like, let me finish. Like the reason why the first movie, like, is one time to compare the two. The only reason, but for different reasons. The first original, you know, movie back when was it late '80s, early '90s. Mm. Reason why it was, you know, you know, it was, it was great. I think it was the best one, you know, because it was so, you know, it was dark. And yeah, everything no like that. doubt about it. But then you go to the second one, uh, you know, Secret of the Ooze. If you notice, the turtles don't use their weapons at all in the movie. Why? Because parents complained and bitched that it was too violent, so they pretty much neutered the next movie. Well, and I'm I, sorry, parents, but you sometimes need to um, look at it from an artistic angle and not be like, oh, my child is, is seeing. There's horrible shit your kids gonna see every day. Here's the deal. And, I, and I'll make this point before I make the point I was going to make originally. The movie's PG-13, correct? Right. Okay, so that means it's not intended for children above the uh, below the age of 13 without an adult. Right. Okay, there's a reason for that. The, the, the action scenes, the violence, and maybe a little bit of language, but I think that that's less of a concern for the parents. you got to know that going in. This is a PG-13 movie. If you're going to take your 8, 7, 8-year-old to see it, and I still think you can... You've got to go into it knowing that it's intended for audiences 13 and up. Right. And as I'm about to be a parent, and you know, when my child I feel like gets old enough, I'm gonna let him watch this movie, and I'm gonna parent him. But like, you don't take sharp objects and poke and poke people with them just because <laughs> you see it on television. 
I mean, you got to parent, man, and I don't want to get on my high horse here, but you've got to do that. And and the other thing I was going to say is, as far as the violence goes, a lot of it, I thought, took place under the cover of darkness. Right. Especially in the beginning when they were still kind of trying to hide from the public and everything, and like the subway station scene. Right. Where it pretty much cuts the lights and you're seeing like an almost a uh, strobe light effect of right. the action. I think that takes away from some of the violence because it's not gratuitously in your face. It's under cover of darkness. Right. So I don't really think this was a very violent movie other than the, the final clash with Shredder maybe. Yeah. And the scene where Shredder's basically beating the hell out of Splinter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Other than that, I don't think this was overly violent movie. As far as Shredder goes, though, back to him for a second, I thought that the whole Shredder at Rokusaki thing, I thought they did a great job making him evil. I yeah. mean, evil. So, I mean, if there was a dark part to this movie, he was it. Yeah. Yeah, there was no corners turned. And like I said, they're making a sequel to it, so I don't know what we're going to see with the sequel. You know, but overall, like I said, it, I, it was a bad movie, but it wasn't like a movie where I'm like, okay, I'm never going to watch it again. Like I said, if it comes on Netflix, I have nothing to do, I'm going to be like, okay, I'll watch it again. There were nods to the past, which I think was nice. And and here's the thing, too, is a lot of people need to understand is that of all the properties, Spider-Man, Batman, whatever, Ninja Turtles has never gone away. It's no. And it's a whole 30-year existence, it's it's never gone away. Yeah, and it, and it never will. It's, it's, it's just been reincarnated every few years. And, and I think that you, and again, I'm going to say this one more time. Stuff's going to get rebooted. Stuff's going to get remade. You have to treat it as its own entity. You can say that the original one was better, and I still will, and I don't think I'll ever say that anything was better than the first Ninja Turtles live-action movie that they made. Right. I'm always going to love that one more, but that doesn't mean... There isn't a place for something new and different. I loved the Michael Keaton Batman movie so much, despite what they did with the Joker and all that right. stuff. Despite you know, you know Joker killing his parents and all that. I loved that movie so much because that's the one that I grew up on. Right. But that doesn't mean I couldn't look at Nolan's trilogy and say, wow, that's friggin' phenomenal. It was so different from the Keaton Batman. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it wasn't good. Yeah. And like I said, like I said... I I'm not. I. I said I'm not. I didn't hate the movie. I guess I literally watched. I think out. I, I liked it more than you did. You did, but I. 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 I admit that it was a bad movie. But like I said, it's not one of those things where I'm like I'm gonna be one of those guys or fans and be like, oh, this sucked. Fuck Michael Bay. There was this. way too much of that. There was for way me. too much of that. I actually walked out of the movie. I looked at my wife and we kind of. She looked kind of looked at each other and I looked. The first thing I said was, "What's the big deal?" That's the first thing I say, and you can Twitter bomb both of us for saying this stuff, but I think enough is enough for bashing Michael Bay just for being Michael Bay. Yeah. I'm not saying that this movie was successful because of him. Absolutely not. But I'm saying just because you see his name on a poster doesn't mean you well, need to hate it well, right off the bat. the thing is, too, is when you see Michael Bay's name on a poster... You know what you're getting into. You know into. what you're getting into, exactly. I mean, do we not learn from our mistakes in this world anymore? Yeah. I mean, just like Transformers. Like, I understand. Okay, like this I, should be the last straw for Transformers. Yeah, like, I understand. Like, people are saying, well, you just bash Michael Bay. I'm like, yeah, for certain things and for certain, just not caring. But, I, I, like, the reason why I didn't, I don't like Michael Bay, not because, oh, he's a shade writer, he didn't fuck my childhood, whatever. No, it's just because you look at his stuff and he's in constant, he doesn't really care. It's like that's that's what bugs me the most about Michael Bay is that when he does a project, he makes what he wants. Yes, that's why people hate him. But he doesn't make any apologies for it either. 
So I, I kind of respect him for that. If, if, if you're going to say, I'm going to do my own thing and screw you guys, at least he owns it. I'm not saying it's right, but at least he owns it. Right. Now, and if I hear one more guy or see it on social media, if I hear one more guy say, you've killed my childhood about a movie, I'm going to find you, I'm going to punch you in the vagina. I'm tired of it. It needs to be over with. I'm sick of people saying, you've killed... If one movie like this kills your childhood, your childhood sucked. Yeah, Okay. your childhood was stuck down... I mean, granted, we all grew up in comics and stuff like that, but if your childhood was linked to just one movie... What kind of childhood did you have? I don't like when stuff doesn't get done the way I think it should be either. Yeah. But it doesn't kill my childhood. No. You can still love the old movie. Yeah. Just because a new movie's made doesn't mean it evaporates the old thing. Go home and watch it if you're that disappointed. I have the trilogy on Blu-ray. Go, I know. You know Who I, doesn't? You yes. know? I mean, come on. Just relax. Drink whatever it is you drink. Do whatever it is you do to calm down. Yoga, hot yoga, whatever. But just do that, watch the old movie, and feel better about it again. Or, you know, for most cases, sit in your parents' basement and masturbate. Whatever you gotta do, man. I mean, just keep the black lights away from that area. Yes. And we'll all be better off. But I think that this movie stands on its own. It worked. There were a lot of good things about it. And I think people just need to relax. And if you haven't seen it yet because you're scared... Go see it with what we just said in mind and see how you feel about it now. Yeah, like I said, you know, it, going into it, I knew it was going to be a bad film. It was bad, but like I said, at, at no point did I, you know, hate the movie. I was like, oh, okay, there's some parts that I liked. Like I said, it's, you know, it's, 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 it is what it is. You know, I think John Leesman is not a great director. I wish I had somebody else for it, but whatever. You know, it, it, it's, you know, it is what it is. And like I said, when you have a property, and it's the last thing I'm going to say before we go to our next topic, but... Um, when you have a product like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which, again, hasn't gone away from the public eye, it's always been in the public eye for years, every, pretty much every year, where it's a new TV show, new comic, new movie, whatever, it never goes away. So, of course, you're right. going to have to find new ways to change it up. They saw their target, and they nailed it. Yeah. That's the way I feel about it. Yep. And come up next, we're going to talk about some nerd news, some depre- sad nerd news, but some also more agitating news that came out about an hour or so ago. So stay tuned. More Down Nerdy coming up next. Every week here on the Down Nerdy Podcast, we always do a segment which we call Nerd News. Now, a lot of the news stories we do are more lighthearted, more happier. Sometimes they upset us, but there are times like today, like this week, where the news that we start off with is something that's very tragic. And this is definitely one of those things, and... Um it, you know, you don't always get teary-eyed when it comes to celebrities, even though every death is tragic. But when I saw that Robin Williams had passed away from an apparent suicide, I mean, I welled up and my heart hurt because somebody my age and even your age, you grew up with Robin Williams. I mean, before we get too deep into this and into any of the details, I mean, Mork and Mindy was something that when I was younger, I used to watch it. All the time, you know, in your little rabbit ear, on my little rabbit ear television, uh, in my living room or in or in my or in my bedroom, I used to watch that. And then, you know, there was kind of a lull where I didn't see Robin Williams for a while. And then, I was watching HBO's Comic Relief, if anybody remembers that. Right. And I saw him doing stand up, and it was like reintroduction for me to Robin Williams, and it was so hilarious. For for me as a kid. You know, I mean, when I found out that he had passed, I was actually taking a nap. I actually woke up, and my laptop screen was open, 
and it was on Facebook. I saw Rob Williams and how he passed away. And I'm, my stepmom texted me and said, you know, is it true that he passed? You know, I said, yes, it is. It's been confirmed. Yeah, I made damn sure before. S- same. And because, um, you know, there are those, those horrific people out there that make those fake death stories up. Um, and the thing is, you know, I started Rob Williams, of course, with Aladdin. You know, with Genie. Oh, of course, Because I was, yeah. a, you know, I was yeah. a kid. You know, so, I mean, a lot of my earlier Robin Williams history of just seeing him was kids' movies. You know, Aladdin, Flubber. And then, you know, it wasn't until I got into the age of about 10, 11 years old where I got into my substances doubtfire for the first time. I remember I was actually in a video store, and my dad said, you can get a VHS tape of any type you want. And I said, okay. And I substances doubtfire. And I said, he's like, no, 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 anything but that one. And I said, okay. And, but no, I mean, you know, I posted on our Facebook page last night the scene from Goodwill Hunting where he's talking about Lost and he's talking that, about that park scene. That movie. And that scene yeah. alone, I think, won him the Oscar. That movie had so much meaning for me at the time, too. Yeah. It was one of those movies that I needed uh, at that particular time in my life. And Robin Williams was so fantastic. And here's a guy that you're used to being Popeye or Mrs. Doubtfire, and then to see him in that context. Yes. For not the first time, but one of the first times to see him in that context, that, it was like, how incredibly talented is this man? Well, that, you know, Dead Poets Society. Um, even Patch if, Adams. Patch Adams, one-hour photo. If you've never seen Jack, Jack, do yourself a favor. It's, it's, it's definitely sad, but he is fantastic in that movie. Yeah, and he, he's, he's great. And, you know... The thing is, is he, of course, went to Juilliard. He was one of the two yes. applicants for Juilliard. One of the other people that was in his class was Christopher Reeves. And they ended up having a great, you know, it was a story kind of last night. It was very touching. Mm-hmm. I actually kind of teared up a little bit. Because it's just the, the, the closeness these two had. And everything that after, you know, Williams even said, he goes, yeah, I was struggling. I didn't have any money. And Christopher allowed me to come over and eat his food. Yeah, they were roommates yeah. for a while, actually. And and part of the funny story about this, of course, you know, Christopher Reeve got Superman right around the same time that Popeye got landed yeah. by Robin Williams. One of the funny stories that actually happened, uh, if you can make humor out of, of something, and Robin Williams always had that way, uh, it was after Christopher Reeve's horrific accident in 1995. Robin Williams was actually one of the first to visit him in the hospital and to cheer him up. Oh, yeah. This is classic Robin Williams. He actually pretended that he was a Russian proctologist (laughs) that was going to perform a rectal exam on Christopher Reeve. And Christopher Reeve said, and I quote, he said, for the first time since the accident, I laughed. My old friend had helped me know that somehow I was going to be okay. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing, too. You you know, what Williams did, and we see this a lot in, the the, you know, what he did with Norm MacDonald and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And, you know, MacDonald tweeted about how when he first met Robin Williams and, and just certain things, um, you know, it was just funny. And you see, like, you know, Ben Stiller talking about how, you know, he's talking about how his parents were working, I guess, I think it was at the improv one night when he was mm-hmm. a little kid. And his he heard a voice behind him say, stay close to your mom and dad. Mm-hmm. And it was Rob Williams. Mm-hmm. And he and he said there was times he was working on Night Museum where he's going, you know, he emulated Robin Williams. He loved him. He was an icon to him. And he said, you're working with Robin Williams on a movie. Yes. And, you know, it's... You see how many lives he's he's touched, and just not just kind, but you get the sense of just being there, letting people know, like, hey, things are gonna be okay. Because, you know, in today's society, we you know we see all we saw this with Chris Farley, where you know the funny, you know, a lot of comedians die early, whether it's through drugs or what have you. But it's a lot because I think a lot of pressure is put on them to be that funny person, or because they kind of maybe they expect you to be on all the time. They expect you to be on all the time, and just certain or just a certain way, and. 
the, the day I know we see this a lot of social media is the day that you're not I mean I've had talked to me too from somebody who said oh what's, what's happened to you you're not the same guy it's like well I mean I've gotten older but also I've realized like you know there's times to be funny and there's times to just you gotta be serious yeah I mean it, and you you just don't know sometimes the people that you think are happy all the time have the most strife could have those demons that they're struggling with all, all the time and you just don't know because it's not necessarily easy for people to share that with other people it's not necessarily for people easy for people to talk about it and they could be struggling and there's just no way to know so you know you just you know try to talk to them and just you know make sure that they're all right and you know, again, this is as of us recording this at uh, at uh, about four o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon. It's still an apparent suicide. suicide. Uh, we'll know more later on in the week, this, and we'll keep you posted on our Facebook page. Yeah, they but, said that autopsy hasn't been has been scheduled on August twelfth because it was asphyxiation or, was, or later in the week. I think asphyx, asphyxiation was the cause of death. Yes. if I'm not mistaken. But um, I mean, if it's it's another one of those eye openers to me. And I would have never expected this from Robin Williams in a million years. I knew no. he was battling depression, but it's one of those things. And he also for me, was entering rehab for drugs. Right, he was doing the twelve step program yes. at the time. It's one of those things to me where, you know, just always try and be aware. You know, talk talk to your friends. Make sure that they're they're all right. If you if you suspect that something might not be right, you know, talk to them. Ask them about it. And I'll, I'll say this tonight, right now. Um, this is very personal for me to talk about. Um, now, I don't want people to think that there's something wrong with me or anything, but years ago, I went to a Christian college. And, of course, me being me, I wasn't accepted. I, I would go you know, talk to people, and then one minute they'd say, hey, let's get together. And then when it comes time, they don't want anything to do with me. They didn't want anything to do with me, and I just felt very neglected. Um, I felt very alone, and because I didn't fit in, you know, I wasn't the guy who'd go to certain groups or certain whatever, and you know, and, and I almost took my life a couple years back in about 2010, and um, it was I'm not gonna say how, um, but I, I almost did, and I didn't seek professional counseling afterwards. I I called my parents. And I told him what happened. I said, you know, I go, here's why it was, you know, my mom even said, she goes, do you want to come back home and go to SU? You know, I said, no, I go, because I'm, I go, I had a year to graduate. And um, I go, I said, no, because I have a year to graduate. Until I graduate, I'm going to finish up the year and then, you know, get my degree. And now I'm not going to go through the whole transferring thing again. And if, if, it, was, if it was earlier in my Years there, then yes, I would have said yes. Take me home. I want to go. To, I'll go to SU, um, you know, Syracuse University, and um, I'm fine now. Like, like I'm. I've, you know, it was just, it was, and, I, and I've told people about that, and I've had people even apologize to me that went that, that were there, and they're like, I didn't know I did this to you. I apologize. I'm sorry, you know. And it's the thing of just, you know, you, you don't just because somebody's different than you don't alienate them right. because it makes them feel horrible. You know, I've had friends that felt the same way and I, we've had some serious talks. I had a friend who almost took his life twice. I had a friend um, who took his life as of actually last year and that just made me feel horrible. Um, you know, he, again, he was, one of, cause he was one of those guys where he was always joking, always that, and then yeah. one day you hear he took his own life. You um, know, and the thing with, with suicide is, you know, um, it's, 
it shouldn't be the answer. And the reason why I knew I could never go through with a suicide was because hearing my mother cry on the phone, and my father, who rarely ever cries, hear him get upset on the phone, you knew you just, you just can't do it because you know, like, the people whose lives you're going to affect when you're gone, you know, it, it, you know, people, when they, when they say, you know, I wish I was never born or, you know, I wonder what life would be like if I wasn't here, it's like, you shouldn't really contemplate that because it's like, what would life be here? It's like, your parents would be devastated, you you know, no matter what your relationship with them is, and just people around you would be devastated, and it's just something that's a heavy thing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where you can't ever imagine getting to that point where nothing else in your, in, it's like your mind gets to that point where the only thing you can think about is not being here right. anymore, and you in that moment, I could never know what it's like to feel, to be in that moment, but to, to not even... You don't even think about that kind of thing. I think if you're in that place, if you get to that place where you're not even thinking about that, I mean, that's a really, really dark place. And I, and the one thing I do know what it's like, I, I know what it's like to be that terrified person on the other end Same. of the line Same. trying to talk someone out of this. Same. Uh, that's a very scary thing to have to go through if you've never had to experience that, and I hope you never do. Um so it's it's just very frightening to think that this can happen. You know, and, and with me, like I said, I don't want people listening to this. The reason why I said the story about what happened to me years ago, I don't want it to be people saying, look at me, look at me. I want to be an eye-opener because when you hear somebody... Well, and to let people know they're not alone. Yeah. You know, if you're if you're even... And I don't want people thinking that there's something wrong with me mentally. There's not. It's if, just if there, you're, there's times in life where you have... You go through the, this rough stretch of patch, and you don't think that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. If you even think you're cl- even close to any place like that, then this is one of those things where you need to realize you're not alone. You might feel like you're the most alone that you've ever been. Yeah, but you're not alone. And of course, if if it's if it's you, somebody you know, the suicide prevention hotline. There are they are there. They're yeah. good people. They can help you. They know what they're doing. And we'll even there. post that on our Facebook page and on our Twitter as well. So if you are going through these tough times, you can call them or even just call a parent or a close friend. You know, because there's been times where like I've been sad. You know, certain things you know in my life aren't going well. And I've talked to James about it, and James has helped me out a lot. And the reason I didn't react with shock, if you're wondering why I wasn't shocked when Nick talked about what he did, him and I have discussed that before. So that's why I didn't react like, oh, my God, yeah. kind of thing. I knew that. Um, he actually asked me, should I share this? And I said, if you feel comfortable with it, absolutely, you should share it. So that's why I wasn't like, oh, my God, I had no idea because yeah. I did know. Yeah, so, again, like I said, I don't want people thinking that there's something wrong with me. If you're a girl and you're saying, oh, there's something wrong, I don't want to – fuck you. That's what I just want to say. If you're somebody you – know, you should know me enough to know how I am as a person. It's just that no matter who you are – there's going to be times where you do need somebody to say, hey, what's going on? You haven't been yourself. And that's what started yeah. with James. Was like he texted me one night and said, hey, man, you haven't been yourself in a week. You know, and what's going on? And that's when I just opened up. You know? And you just have to do that. You, know? I mean, you, you, don't, you don't want to let people get to that point or even to the fringe of that point. Um, to lighten things up a little bit, though, I think that, and I said this the other day, I said Robin Williams was one of those guys that had the uncanny ability to make you cry, but also make you laugh oh, yeah. until you cry, definitely kind of thing. So, 
it seems like every time I get sad and on the verge of tears about Robin Williams, I see Mrs. Doubtfire pop into my head go, Hello! Hello! All of a sudden, it's it's okay Or again. just, I mean, that's just one of the most quotable... I mean, like my friend Jill and I, we would quote that over and over again, just different random lines and post on Charles' Facebook. It was great. And, you know, his stand-up, you mentioned it, like, I remember I was with my, my mom, oh my and he, it was when he did his live on Broadway act, and it was whole. I, I had tears. You just don't know where the guy's gonna go. No, his his bit about um, you know golf. How golf was invented by Scots. He's talking in a Scottish accent. No, I put the ball in the fucking golfer hole. Oh, kind of like croquet. Fuck no! Yeah. I put it hundred miles away, and I put trees and shit in the way. <laughs> I mean, even his Snickers commercial, too. Oh, my God. Where he's like, go out there and look for anything with an O kind of thing. Let's do some other Russia. Yeah, so, I mean, it, everything the guy's ever done. He might, All of his movies might not have been great, but every single one of them had that classic Robin Williams moment in it. And I want to bring Cody into this for a second. Of course, Cody's not here with us this week. Yeah. But he was watching Hook. Yeah. Which is his favorite Peter Pan adaptation also, my favorite, I think. I've watched that movie so many times. Yeah. And just his portrayal of Peter Pan, unbelievable. It was, it was great. But we move on to something that's you know less sad, but a little bit more questionable. Um, you know, and, it's in deal, and we talked about earlier in the show about San Diego Comic-Con. Now, they filed a 16-page lawsuit against Salt Lake Comic-Con stating that, quote, the... Uh, this actually started way back, um, I believe in July. Yeah, this has been going on for a couple of months now. So what happened was, start with Salt Lake Comic Con had already already labeled with the phrase Salt Lake Comic Con, and as well as the term Comic Con on it, and, and all their event promotions and stuff like that. So SDCC, pretty much, and this is what the lawsuit states: "Quote the defendants' use of SDCC's Comic Con marks or confusingly similar variants is intended to suggest mislead and confuse consumers." And to believe that the Salt Lake Comic Con convention is associated with, authorized by, or endorsed by, or sponsored by STCC, which is bullshit. First of all, if you're confusing San Diego Comic Con and Salt Lake Comic Con, you're an idiot. I'm yeah. sorry. I, I That's the simplest way I can think to put it. You're an idiot. There's no way, first of all, that San Diego would move their operations to Salt Lake City. Yeah. Love you, Utah folks. Not happening. Um, I think it's a little petty. But, and here's where I'm going to look at the other side. Yeah. If they've trademarked the name Comic-Con, Comic-Con, I get it. Here's the thing, though. San Diego Comic-Con, they have no legal claim on the term. They, they don't... They com- abandoned... They, they, they tried to get trademarked, but because they were met with... Like, in the 90s, but because they were met with so much, you know... People were against it. They dropped it in '99. If they don't have the trademark, then they have no case. Then they don't. They don't a have waste, a case. It's a huge waste of time, basically. If they don't have the trademark, the federal trademark, it's a huge waste of time. I think it's a little petty. Uh, I think if you notice that other cons, especially like Tidewater Comic Con, they yeah. spell it differently. It's C O M I C O N. There's yeah. no dash. There's no double word. I'm sure that was done on purpose by Mike Federale and the guys yeah. to avoid something like this. I just think that. First of all, it's a little insulting to us nerd fans to think that we would confuse Salt Lake Comic Con and San Diego Comic Con. Yeah, it's, it's very insulting because it's also like, you know, the thing is too is that they tr- they try, I don't know, they, they, the way they, they say, oh, well, let's make people think that 
there's this and this. It's like, you know, it, it's not. Because when somebody says, I'm going to Comic-Con, yeah, you immediately think to San Diego. Yeah. However, you know, and they say, oh, I'm going to Dallas or whatever, or New York. And it's like, but it, it shouldn't really matter. Comic-Con is a Comic-Con, I think. No, it shouldn't matter. Um, it's just, it's just, the whole thing is stupid. And part of it, I think, is also because they're kind of scared in a sense. I mean, San Diego Comic Con is always going to be the big mega daddy mall. Of course mall. they are, yeah. They get like, what, 130,000 people every year in New York, at least second with like 120,000, 110,000. Yeah, the New York Con's not even close yeah. yet. But Salt Lake City, though, in its first year in 2013, had the biggest turnout, like, in it was ranked number three, it had 100,000 people. There. Right, exactly. So, at just like one of their events. So, I mean, you know, that's the thing, is you look at this and it's like, is it because they're afraid that they're taking people away now here's the thing the reason why I brought this up is this is different because you look at something like video games alright mm-hmm. look at Madden sport, you know, Madden NFL and 2K Sports both were kind of even killed mm-hmm. so what did Madden do? we're going to get the exclusive NFL license so that way nobody else can make an NFL game this is why kind of Comic Con is doing I'm not saying everybody taking away somebody can hold a Comic Con but because somebody can use the name Comic Con now I will say this Salt Lake people did kind of poke the bear a little bit. Right. They showed up at San Diego Comic-Con with a Comic-Con skinned Audi R8. That's what I was talking about earlier. And, you know, you kind of poke the bear. I mean, I understand that you realize that they kind of don't have any legal standing and you want to push the bully a little bit, but, I mean, don't poke the bear. I mean, if you want this to just go, this is going to go away, okay? They have no legal standing. It's going to go away. You don't have to poke the bear because... It started out where San Diego guys, where they were looking petty. If you're going to poke the bear like that, it's not funny. Now you look petty, too. Let's just all be adults. Let's settle this. Shakespeare said, what's in a name? It's a Comic-Con. Everybody knows it. Let's relax. And speaking of what's in a name, our next story, this is a news we talked about that broke about an hour or so ago. What's in the console? Now, we all loved Tomb Raider, right? Oh, absolutely. played it. You know, we started off on PlayStation back in the day, and it just it was a multi-platform game. News came out today as of, you know, actually this morning, about 8 o'clock in the morning. Which is Tuesday, if you're listening to this. On, on Tuesday. Day. And it was just, and Kotaku, I believe they broke it. The Tomb Raider, so Square Enix, struck a deal with Microsoft, and that's only going to be an Xbox exclusive. The new Tomb Raider, Rise of the Tomb Raider. I want you to repeat that one more time. Square Enix struck a deal with Microsoft, so now Tomb Raider, Rise of Tomb Raider, the, the, the direct sequel to Tomb Raider, is an Xbox One exclusive. Let that sink in for a second. Pause your PS4. Or Crystal Dynamics, I should say. And, and let that sink in for just a second. So basically... One of the biggest games that would have been coming out in the holiday of 2015 that was a multi-platform game to begin with, and pretty much always has been. Well, most always been Sony because, you know, they, they started it. That's how it was created. But yeah, for the most part, it's been multi-platform. Will now only be available on the Xbox One. And again, Crystal Dynamics, they're the ones that are developing it. Square Enix is publishing it. And... It kind of was like when we first go back to E3 and they showed the trailer on Xbox E3, like, okay, nothing should be a big deal because it's a multi-platform game, you know, whatever. Um, you know, it, it make, doesn't make any sense. Now, the, you know, Daryl Gallagher, who's the head of studios for Crystal Dynamics, came out and said, um, 
Tomb Raider in 2013 was a success due to a large part for your continued support. Our goal has always been to deliver something truly special with the rise of Tomb Raider. And it says that today's announcement with Microsoft is one step to help us put Tomb Raider on top of action-adventure gaming. That doesn't pause. make any sense. Fucking pause. That makes no sense. We're going to make it the most successful by making it available on less platforms. And people are pissed. I mean, give me a friggin' break. You're just, you're insulting my intelligence by saying that to me. And here's the thing, a lot of people were also like, well, maybe it'll be a you know, limited, you know, whatever exclusive thing where like they'll release on Xbox now and then be a play no the, a lot of things I've been reading is this that, is it this people. is it now we kind of agree that at some point they're gonna say this was stupid and release it on I think PS4. that's what's gonna happen I and think, PC let's not forget the PC gamers now the I know, PC, PC gamers are getting screwed too it's not just PS4 it's not just consoles we're talking about PC gamers too and I know there's a lot of you out there so you guys are getting screwed in this deal as and well and part of it I think the reason why Microsoft did too is because Sony came out and they also has, have sold 10 million PlayStation 4s I'll tell you exactly why this happened because first of all Sony kicked them in the balls at E3 right and second of all all the just fallout after E3 from Microsoft having to lay off all those people basically doing away with Xbox Entertainment they needed a grab to put them back on the map, and here's their grab. Now, the thing is, like, I don't have a PlayStation 4 or an Xbox One, but I'm still going to get a PS4, mainly because of the reason we just said. Even though it says, okay, it's coming exclusive to an Xbox, there's still a part of me that thinks that, hey, they're going to be like, hey, we, we got to do this. And we got to make it multi-platform. Isn't there a little bit of a hint that they're going to do what Assassin's Creed is doing? Yeah. And they're going to release like a separate Tomb Raider game maybe on the PlayStation maybe yeah, PC they, formats they, as well? They've talked about that. They said that they go, uh, Gallagher even went on to say, this doesn't mean we're walking away from our fans who only play on PlayStation or PC. Those are great systems and great partners and amazing communities. We have Lara Croft and the Temple of Osiris coming to those platforms this December, and Tomb Raider, the Definitive Edition, is available on PS4. Which is fun. And again, that's just like a remastered version, yeah. just like uh, The Last of Us uh, that they did with that. Uh, I still have a problem with it. I still think that you've got to give me... This is... They've been pumping up this game uh, since... Uh, even before E3, even before the trailer came out, you've been pumping this up. I don't understand... Why and this is gonna piss Sony off. I mean, Sony's gotta go, gotta pick up the phone and call these guys and be like, "Hey, what the hell?" Yeah. So, how, the question is, and I guess we'll find this out at some point. How much money did Microsoft throw at Crystal Dynamics to make this happen? Because there's no That's way, the there's no way they did this without some sort of gigantic exclusivity paycheck. And that's the thing, is that, you know, it, it, and that's the thing that's going to rub people the wrong way, too, is even if you're saying, okay, well, this is a big win for Microsoft, but it's a big loss of game, it's like, you just laid off millions of people, but yet you can shell How out getting the millions yeah. to get the rights for Tomb Raider. I, I, mean, know you exclusive. Gotta, I know you got to spend money to make money, but sometimes you got to spend that money on people. And the thing is, too, is, you know, Xbox One had Titanfall as an exclusive. Well, they announced that Titanfall 2 is going to be on multi-platforms. Which is, again, my bad kind of thing for them, for the people that made Titanfall. I just don't think... And, and why on earth would you want to back the console that's getting their ass handed to them? Not just that, but it's just like... I mean, money is, is the key definitive thing in all this. Obviously, yeah. But still, it's like... 
you when you say we want to make the biggest age event, then they put it on all platforms that made you get sell so many of them. Why do you think you guys sold so many of them? Because they were available on all platforms. I mean, what's what's next? Are we gonna are we gonna have the the next Hitman game available exclusively on Wii U? What's go, what's going on here? <laughs> I mean, come on. Why? 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 I'm a I'm a proponent of why make anything exclusive. And I understand people are saying like, well, and some people are like, well, PlayStation already has Uncharted. It's like, yeah. And they're like, and they're like, well, that's an exclusive game. Like, yeah, it's exclusive. Like, Halo is exclusive to Microsoft. But the difference is, is it's been exclusive the entire time. That's the thing, just like Halo. That's the difference. We get that certain games are exclusive to certain consoles, but if you start out, if if the first Tomb Raider game was a Microsoft Xbox exclusive, we wouldn't even be talking about this no. right now. It's the fact that they decided to go the other way. To go from multiple platform to singular platform, that's like, what in the world are you doing? And again, it's 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 just when you see this, and say they've sold millions and millions of, of Tomb Raider games for you know PS3, but like I said, it started off on Sony. The original Tomb Raider started off on Sony, and then it crossed over when Microsoft came out and stuff. But it's like it, it's like why? Like just just why? You know. Which, which, that makes no I, sense other than monetary value. I don't see how this makes you more money. I, I understand that they got a fat paycheck to do this, I'm sure. I know I know for a fact, just by this announcement, that there's going to be a, a Tomb Raider bundle for Xbox One yeah. in the holiday of 2015. Yeah. That's a given at this point. You go out on Black Friday, you're going to see a Tomb Raider bundle. You're going to get Tomb Raider, a special edition but of the, the thing Xbox is, console, all that. Is in the later part of the, the note that Gallagher wrote, he said, you know... We will take your 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 letters and stuff like that and see. So again, part of me thinks that too late for that. Though. Part of me thinks though that there's because there is there's so much blowback against this. I think they're gonna do is they're gonna exclusively sell it on Xbox One in the in the holiday season. They probably when they get to spring, they'll re-release it on PlayStation Four and PC as I think they should because they're like, well, shit, this is gonna hurt our money. It's gonna hurt not only that but our name. Why would people want to buy a name? You know. That's Chris Lambert or Square Enix on it, 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 you know, for what we did with Tomb Raider. It could be, it's possible they could be superior spideying us too. They could be oh, making yeah. us so mad that they took our shiny toy away, they took Peter Parker away, and everybody's upset, and then lo and behold, we're going to bring it back to PS4 and PC, and they're going to sell more copies than they would have originally. Yeah. That's it's certainly possible, but the initial reaction, it sucks. Yeah. It just sucks. And speaking of things that kind of suck, and this kind of has flown under the radar with the success of Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, if you've seen the hashtag, where's Gamora on Twitter? Yeah. We'll find out what that's about. Because basically, if you're looking at the uh, products that are available from the Guardians of the Galaxy, not a whole lot of Gamora stuff is available. No, I think it's like 44% of the audience that saw Guardians was female. So it did surprise a lot of people that hey, there's no Gamora stuff, no Nebula, no either. Nebula either, and it's like you know mostly Star Lord, mostly Rocket and Groot and and, and, and Drax. But it's like you know it, it, the thing is is you know why yeah why don't they do this? It's like Gamora and Nebula. Nebula alone, I would buy a Nebula. Oh, figure. absolutely. Now I will say that before we get too deep into this, if you know Sideshow Collectibles and their uh, one one to six scale figures, they do have a Gamora. Uh, it's fantastic. A lot of cash, 
But if you want a dead on, if you want a dead on figure, it, that's that's the one to go with. How, yeah, awesome. but however, the, the thing with that is though is that those were already scheduled, kind of like like right. They're, but they're not coming out till like much later. Right. It's though. gonna be a while if you once you see the detail, you'll understand why. And by the way, they're making that Groot figure as well. Nice. The dancing Groot will be available by those guys. I'm not trying to pump them up or anything, but I know people are asking. I want a dancing Groot. You will be able to get it from them. But I mean, I think that I mean. There's a, a, a statement that was made in an article by uh, Amy Ratcliffe. Yep. And it said, remember when the Avengers came out two years ago and Black Widow was missing from merchandise and toys? It sadly looks like Marvel and Disney licenses didn't learn from their mistakes because their sad lack of Gamora and Guardians of the Galaxy product at, on the market is where the hashtag Where's Gamora yeah. even came from. And I got to agree that it seems like if you're not a Disney princess... Disney doesn't feel like they need to market their female characters. Yeah, because I think that because if they're, I think it's too. I think because they say, you know, the princesses are highly successful. So we don't really. That's and I think that's. I don't know what that's why they're thinking it. But if you think about it, their whole princess line is like, oh, we're gonna market to that. It's like no, there are dudes who like us that would like say, hey, I like more figure Not or a that, nebula figure. But girls kick ass too. Yeah. I mean, let's keep that in mind. There's. A lot, been, of been, a lot of stuff in film have made more prominent females and stronger female roles. A lot of the listenership to our show is female yes. as well. So we get that. That's why, you know, even on like days like Cosplay Tuesday, you know, we don't just show the ladies, we show the guys too. Yeah. Because it goes the other way. Guys cosplay too. So, and this hashtag, Where's Gamora, has really taken off. And I understand why, like you said, for Star-Lord. He's clearly the main character. Right. You got to put him out there. Rocket. You know that. You know, even though it shouldn't be for kids, really. I mean, <laughs> kind of. They they're trying to get the kids with Rocket. I get that. But to just kind of basically ignore Gamora altogether, I don't. It's it. It almost looks intentional. Yeah. It, it's and like I said, you would think because a lot was praised about, you know. Just Nebula alone, like how awesome it was, and just oh, absolutely, how awesome yeah. she was. We said I last wanted week, more. How, we said last week how fearful and afraid we were of her because yeah. she was just such a, a great character, and they don't have a toy, and it's like and it's not on. like Gamora sucked in the movie. No, she was not only good in the movie, she played kind of a pivotal role in the whole yes. movie, and not to mention she's Thanos's daughter. She, later on down the line, she's going to become even more important. Maybe even a thir- in the third Avengers movie. Yeah, which is when we kind of expect the team up to happen. So, I mean, these are a lot of things to consider. So why not strike while the iron's hot and get this merchandise now, or at least test it. Give me a test market for this. Harmy th- feels like this. Okay, you've seen if you've seen the movie Jingle All the Way. Yes. Watching, okay. You know how everybody wants that Turbo Man doll? Nobody <laughs> wants Booster. Nobody wants Booster. <laughs> so I think, and this is, I think, kind of fucked up if Disney's really thinking about it like this way. They're saying, well, everybody doesn't want Star-Lord and Rocket and Groot. Nobody's going to want Gamora or Nebula. Here's my thing, though. And as much as I thought Dave Bautista did a fantastic job in the mm-hmm. movie, isn't Drax the, the Booster here? Yeah. <laughs> Really, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, if we're being completely honest, and again, I thought that he was great, and I'm not putting down his performance or the character, but he's the booster here. I'm yeah. sorry, he is. It's not It's not Nebula, it's not Gamora, it's Drax. Yeah. Sorry. It's exactly the way it is for me. And maybe, you know, 
if there's a whole UFC following, he's the warrior guy, maybe that's why a lot of people might love him more. But I'm sorry. I think Gamora is a way more important character yeah. than Drax. And I mean, the Rocket and Groot, it's kind of gimmicky, so you kind of get why people kind of you know, draw to that because it's funny and it's different. But I just think that they're, they're missing a market here, and I hope that Disney doesn't make this same mistake with Star Wars. Because yeah. I know there's going to be a couple of major female characters coming up in the new Star Wars films. So I don't want to see them make that same mistake with Star Wars. Yeah. So that's going to do it for Nerd News. Again, it was kind of tough. We did talk about some hard things, but we actually came up with some other things. But coming up next, it's our first annual Nerdy Awards. That's right. We're going to be giving out awards to the best and worst of the summer blockbusters. Stay tuned. The Nerdy Awards are coming your way next. Live from the kryptonite carpet outside of LexCorp Studios in beautiful Metropolis, it's the Nerdy Awards pre-show. Here's your host, Jay Jonah Lane. Hello everyone, Jay Jonah Lane here at the first annual Nerdy Awards. I'm here outside the LexCorp Theater on the kryptonite carpet. And the superheroes are just starting to show up. Oh my god, it's Batman! Batman! First of all, what cowl are you wearing? That's my first question to you. Whoops, I dropped my microphone! And he's gone. So much like Batman. Now I know what James Gordon must feel like. Oh, oh my god! Oh my god, Black Widow just showed up! Black Widow, first question. The rumors are going around. Is Spider-Man the father? I see it, you're pregnant. Is Spider-Man the father? And she's gone. Oh, oh, Aquaman! Aquaman is here. He just showed up on a porpoise chariot. Aquaman, now, there are allegations going around that you are not eating dolphin-saved tuna. Are these allegations true? And he just jumped into the fountain. But yeah, hopefully he does know those funds do go to the toilets. So hopefully he can clean up before the awards show. Again, I'm Jay Jolene out front here on the kryptonite carpet in front of Les Corp Theater in Metropolis. And oh my god, Wolverine just showed up. Wolverine, now, now we just introduced this new technology, Wolverine, the Mandicam. Now, put those, show us those little claws, will you? Those beautiful, yes, and there they are. Look at those, the beautiful elementium, the shininess, the great shimmering of silver, and a lot better than that dry, darker, more bonier look. Thank you, Wolverine, thank you. Well, I'm, my time is down here. Everybody's going inside the LexCorp Theater. The first annual Nerdy Awards are coming your way, hosted by James Witham and Nick Battaglia, next. Live from the LexCorp Theater in downtown Metropolis, it's the first annual Nerdy Awards. Here are your hosts for the evening, James Witham and Nick Battaglia. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Welcome to the first annual Nerdy Awards from the prestigious LexCorp Theater in downtown Metropolis. I'm Nick Battaglia alongside James Witham. This is a great night for all superhero movies and superheroes alike, James. Tons and tons of people are here. 
and just a big, big, big crowd. And what do you expect from some of the nominees tonight? I got to tell you, I think that um, you're going to see Rocket borrowing a lot of limbs from other uh, from his other fellow nominees because you know if he can't take home a trophy, he's going to take home a arm or a leg or something like that. Um, I fully expect the Winter Soldier to be nice and bundled up. It is cold in here this evening, so we've got to make sure that he's got a jacket on and remembers who he is when he leaves. And we also remember we had they also had to install some industrial sized toilets for Godzilla this year as well. So that's going to be kind of a new feature in this big ginormous theater as well. Well, we did tell them that this is a flame free zone too, so yes. we just got to keep that in mind as well. Yes, but this is our first annual Nerdy Awards, and what this is is a celebration of the best and the worst um, in summer blockbusters. Of course, this year we're doing movies from April all the way to August, where next year, because Star Wars is coming out and everything, it's going to be from November up until the end of the summer. Yeah, because you've got movies like Hunger Games will be in November, The Hobbit movie will be in November, Star Wars not. So we'll include all those in the next Nerdy Awards. But we're going to start off, I think we should start off with the best of. Yes, yes, we should start off with the best of. And we're going to start off with the best movie and James you want to go first with your nominee and okay. your winner now, for again, best movie again we're gonna we didn't discuss these ahead of time we might have some that are the same and some that are not and maybe there'll be some debate maybe they won't but my best movie of the summer slash spring season of 2014 is Captain America the Winter Soldier I did not have that <laughs> you're wearing a Captain America t-shirt I know though, which is ironic <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like a big fuck you to Steve Rogers <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's it's kind of like when you have Jack Black that one year give out the animation Oscar uh-huh. like you know Kung Fu Panda wasn't nominated exactly that was awkward <laughs> but okay so yours was Captain America Winter Soldier why I just think that first of all it had a little something of everything it had the probably it had great action throughout it had great character interaction I thought that the storyline was spot on it was very it kept me interested the entire time. The twist with Hydra and S.H.I.E.L.D. I thought was the ultimate twist of the entire summer movie season. And the way it led into so many other things, I just thought that's what made it the best. All right. Now, we wanted to let you know that you can also send us, even though this has been already been recorded, but please send us and post your winners on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash nerdy, and also email them to us at donnerdypodcast at gmail.com. Because if we get enough of them, we will talk about them on the intro next week. Yes. Uh, my best movie, I'm going with Guardians of the Galaxy, and here's why. Because when you first heard Guardians of the Galaxy being made, a lot of people were going, the whole what kind of thing. Right. And Guardians is, your, is, is it's a science fiction movie. It deals mostly with space. Um, so it's easy for it to fall in with a realm of it's just another sci-fi movie, nothing to differentiate from it. However, there are a lot of ooing and aahing moments I had for myself in the theater, you know, with, you know... Um, the uh, 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 Nova with Nova Corps covering up, you know, Ronan's ship and yeah, making that, that shield. Epic. That was a big ooing and awing moment. You know, we mentioned the human with rocket. You know, with the limbs and stuff like that. It just it was very great. It didn't feel much like a Marvel movie. It felt in the, you know it felt like its own entity. And it again, when you introduced, you had the type of characters in there. Really great characters. Really great casting. Um, that's why I got my best movie, Nerdy Award. I will say that it was close. I almost decided to go with Guardians of the Galaxy as well, but I, Captain America, to me, edged it out by just a little bit. Now, our next category is Best Fight Scene, and I will give mine first, James. Okay. I'm going with Cap versus the Winter Soldier. However, not the ending fight scene. 
the middle fight scene with the whole knife fight. The one where he grabs the shield? Yes. Is that the fight scene? Okay, yeah. The one, where, was, the one, where, the one where he punches the shield and that it vibrates. That was a good one, yes. Yes. And, of course, you got to factor Black Widow into yes. that as well. And Falcon. And Falcon. So, yeah, I can see why you would go with that. I can yeah. see that. Uh, i got to say, and I promise this won't be a theme. Uh, I'm also going to go with Captain America and the Winter Soldier, but I am going to go the final with fight the final scene. fight on the helicarrier because the way it's just, it's crashing, you know, little by little it's falling out of the sky and they're just still battling each other. Well, that's in the line where Steve is getting, you know, he, he takes the helmet off and he said, you know, he's allowing Bucky to beat the shit out of him. And he says, you know, you can kill me, but I will always be your friend. Right, exactly. So, I mean, I guess maybe because of that human element came into it and the fact that they're falling off of scaffolding and yes. the glass there and it was just, I was on the edge the entire time. So I... I I considered that same one that you did, but I was like, I don't know. I was more on the edge the whole time with this one, so I thought that made it a great fight scene. Now, another, our next um, best of category is best newcomer. Now, this is the best performance by an actor and actress in their first major superhero villain slash role. So if you want to go first, James. Okay, now, I'm, I told you this wasn't going to be a theme, so wow. my best newcomer is going to be... Evan Peters playing Quicksilver in X-Men Days of Wow! I just think that he, to me, when I look at the entire summer movie season, as far as newcomers, yeah. I almost picked somebody else, and I, I want to see if you pick him. Uh, to me, if I look back, still one of the most memorable things for me is Quicksilver. Is that scene. And that, Time in the bottle. And not even just that scene. Just every time he was on that screen... I feel like I remember everything, and I think to me, that makes a good performance. He was memorable, and it wasn't a brush-off role, and it could have easily been, and he made it larger than it really should have been. Yeah, he pretty much, yeah, he pretty much just, to the other guys playing Quicksilver, I can't yeah, think of his good name. Good luck with that. But he just dropped the mic in front of him, pretty much said, Yeah, Here. good luck with that. So my best newcomer award, I think it's probably the guy who you figure I'd pick, Dave Batista, Drax from Guardians of the Galaxy. I wrote that one down and changed it at the last minute. That's exactly what. Because I here's had. the thing: when you heard he was being casted, the only movie I've seen him in other than Guardians of the Galaxy was Man with the Iron Fist. Yeah, the Tarantino movie. Yes, yeah. and uh, no, it wasn't Tarantino movie. RZA directed it. Was it? Yes. I take your word for it. <laughs> it wasn't Tarantino. It seemed Tarantino-esque. Um, it was directed by the RZA, uh, and um, he it wasn't that great. So you see him get cast as okay, he's from WWE, you know, he's got some acting experience. There's a stigma attached to that. Yeah. No, um, he's just going to be the big brooding guy, but then you feel, but then that scene where they're, they're walking into, you know, the prison and he goes, this raccoon, he's my friend. And he goes, good morning, he goes, this green whore. Yeah. <laughs> she is my Without friend. Without missing a beat, by yes. the way. And the whole throat slashing scene why would I drag my finger or, the, or, or, or that went over your head it would not go over my head my reflexes are too good I would jump up and catch it exactly and of course his fighting was as it should have been up to par yeah it, it was the fight scenes with him and like Ronan um, just he gets ass kicked most of the time but still. yeah but still it was just they have a barbarian ass fighting style which is great uh, so again he gets my nerdy award for best newcomer. I can't argue with that now this is where we might have a little bit of a difference here in terms of Best end credit stinger. Now, I'm going to go and say that my best end credit stinger was from X-Men Days of Future Past, the Apocalypse one. I have the same exact one. Really? I picked the same one because... You're seeing... Because not only are you seeing the pyramids being built by him... Exactly. You're seeing... If you look up to the left, you see the four horsemen of the Apocalypse there. 
And goddamn, does it give you a nerd boner? Now, I, I will say, wink and a nod to Bucky in the museum. Right at uh, at the end of Captain America: also, Soldier. Also, um, the the Baron there, uh, who has you know Quicksilver yes. and Scarlet yes, Witch. Yes, definitely. Well. I I just think that again for memorability for being memorable. I think that that one was the wow moment. Yeah. Marvel tends to sometimes go with more humor or more of a it's more of a tease than a wow. This one to me was a wow. Yeah, yeah. I think that the only. The only way that the only I, I'm not gonna say I'm gonna say this the only stinger I think that was great better than this you know so you guys go back to last year was the Wolverine when he, Wolverine goes to the airport and Magneto and Xavier are like we need your help here yeah. why it got you going holy shit yes exactly so I mean they've done really well with the X Men films and those stingers they absolutely so. So again, we have one more category in our best of. That's yeah, we're best doing a five and five. Five and five. So we're doing best costume. Now you can go first, James. Okay. So as far as best costume goes, I went through as many as I could, and it was definitely a tough decision. But I had to go with Nebula from Guardians of the Galaxy. All right. I actually had her, but I kind of crossed her out. I just think that the way they put it together, and I even saw the um, there was another uh, concept art for what it could have looked. Oh like. yeah. And it showed more skin. I think that what they did with it was fantastic. Right down from the, from the makeup that they had to use. So uh, the actress actually shaving her own head. Yeah, too. exactly. The fact that, I mean, the, the eyepiece and the way everything was just put together, it just looked to me fantastic. And it, I thought it embodied the character so well. And it made her look evil. Yeah. It just the it embodied the evil and I just thought that they did a great job with it. Okay, now my best costume, I want to see if you count this as a costume or readers count this as a costume. I'm going with Caesar from Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, I'll call that I can call that a costume. Because sure, because yeah. in the end, you know, because it's Andy Circus still acting. Right. It's just him being layered with a CG body over right. him. So I think it's still the end as a costume. I think that counts, even yeah. though it's a it's a CG overlay. But, sure. I mean, the way that they made him look and just the, the, the they didn't look overly CG. It was perfect, you know the way that the facial expressions, everything, phenomenal. Granted, I've only seen the trailer. I still haven't seen the movie yet. But from what I did see, I think that that's one of the things that would hit that for me is the the facial expressions. Right. When you even with it, like you said, it didn't look overly CG. It's one of those things where okay, if I didn't tell you this was CG, would you really know? Yeah. Maybe not. Yeah. So I think you're right. I think they did a great job. So that's going to do it for our best of segment. That's why we just do a quick recap for people who want to know what ours are. I'll start off with mine. Uh, for best movie, I gave it the Guardians of the Galaxy. For best fight scene, I had the mid-fight scene between Cap and Winter Soldier. Um, best newcomer, I gave it to Dave Bautista for Drax and Guardians of the Galaxy. Best end credit stinger, I went, both of us went to X-Men Days of Future's Past which was the apocalypse and credit scene, and best costume I gave to Caesar from Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Okay, for me, best movie was Captain America the Winter Soldier. Best fight scene, also Captain America and the Winter Soldier, but the final fight on the helicarrier. Best newcomer, Evan Peters, who did Quicksilver in Days of Future Past. And credit stinger, like you said, we had that one the same, the apocalypse from Days of Future Past. And then best costume I gave to Nebula from Guardians of the Galaxy. Now, with every best comes the direct opposite, which is every worst. I just feel the theme coming. I really do. <laughs> so, worst of, first segment, 
or first category is worst movie. I will go first. We probably have the same. This here. wasn't even close to me. Transformers Four: Age of Extinction. Yeah, that I, I just think we just need to say that, and we know we said some of them might bash Michael Bay, but it was it was bad. Not only that, but I think that. It's it's almost a testament to how mu- how good a lot of the other movies were. Yeah. Uh, with a couple of exceptions, and I th- I'm sure we'll get to that. Yeah. But I think it's a testament to more of how how good it was, and and to me, how much better Turtles was than this. Yeah. I think that was a part of it too, even though they were both kind of Michael Bay films. So worst costume, I'll go first again. Uh, I'm going with Green Goblin from Amazing Spider-Man. I too. have the exact same thing. <laughs> <laughs> To me, it's by far the worst. It looks like Leprechaun's Bastard Child. It was terrible. And the, the weird teeth and the hair. I mean, you didn't even... Uh, do something different, fine. But he didn't even come close to what he would look like in the comics. It was just weird. I mean, it was like jaundice. with, uh, with uh, It was like Zelda on jaundice or something. <laughs> it was very weird. I don't understand why they did it that way. And then, worst character, I'll have you go first. All right, worst character, I'm sticking with Amazing Spider-Man 2, and I'm going with Electro. Really? Amazing Spider-Man 2. I hated Jamie Foxx's portrayal of Also, it. I mean, it was a direct ripoff of Jim Carrey's Riddler. And then there's, there's that, except I thought Jim Carrey actually did a good job. But with this, it just didn't make sense. And the whole, you know, let's tie this to his music thing, and the look where he had the X-Men suit all of a sudden out of nowhere. Right. I just I just thought it was it was terrible. The whole thing was bad. My worst character, Grimlock from Transformers Age of Extinction. The fact that you took such a big character, the head of the Dinobots, and made him Optimus this bitch, fuck you. I almost feel like that's not Grimlock's fault. <laughs> Still, I'm going I understand to... what you mean. Yeah. It's like, it's not your fault. It's not. Oh, okay, go it's go hunting. It's not your fault. That Robin Williams. Thank you for that. That's not your fault, Dreadlock. But uh, I, I understand why. You yeah, it's. It, it, I, it, I get it. Mostly because it was just the way that it was. I mean, it just say like the way that it was portrayed was it wasn't him. I, I understand why you why you say that. Yeah, I, I can't I can't argue with that. And and you'll see why here in a second. <laughs> so the biggest and this, I, we actually had some fun making this category up. The biggest no no no. Moment, which is the moment in the film that upsets you the most in terms of anger. James. Again, this wasn't even a contest. Optimus Prime rides Grimlock and Transformers <laughs> Age of Extinction in what could have been one of those iconic moments where these two characters come together. It was basically exactly what you were talking about a second ago. Well, he didn't. He made him his bitch, pretty much collared him like a roped rodeo calf, and jumped on his back and said, let's ride. No, no, no. I'm going totally opposite. I'm going Godzilla, the cutaways to humans during the major fight scenes between the monsters. kind of thought you might go there, actually. Um, this is something we talked about in te- when we were reviewing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We talked about how we're seeing in all these films is... The movie being based on, the title being based off of something, but the movie spending time on something totally different. Where, you know, here is like, I want to see monsters beat the shit out of each other. Yes. You know, every time when, it's like, you know, Godzilla goes to that first punch, they cut to the humans. It's like, I could give less of a shit. Um, when I went to go see it, a lot of people were actually groaning at that. They're like, oh, really? Even when I, we were discussing Godzilla, you know, weeks ago, I said, it's like giving you the biggest set of blue balls when you're watching a film. The it's biggest like, tease ever. Yes. Yes, that's what it is. It's just the biggest tease 
in films. That's why I felt that, you know, hey, they're actually going to fight and I'm actually going to see them beat each other. They better not do that shit when they bring the new Toho, the other Toho monsters. Yeah, if they do that again, there will be more nerd rage that will be had for sure. Now, the nerd rage award is our final award. It goes to the worst director, James. Can we just name this award after this person? Is um, that, is I, didn't, I didn't give it to the person you gave it to. I gave it to Michael Bay. I didn't give it to Michael Bay. I, I Because of Transformers, not because of Turtles. Because again, well, I just thought it. that I just thought that it was the worst overall. I gave it to Jonathan Leesman for Turtles because I didn't want to pile on Michael Bay, and also I'm like, you know, there were certain things, certain movies like you could have just done totally better. Um, and another part of the reason why too is because Leesman, there were parts where I felt like he let Michael Bay walk all over him, and as a director, you don't let, you don't fucking do that. I understand know? that. So John Leesman gets my worst director. He gets my. My uh, Nerd Rage Award. I think that... Uh, let's do a couple of honorable mentions. And okay. I'm going to give an honorable mention to Dave Bautista from Guardians of the Galaxy. Overall performance. Again, not at all what I expected. I thought he did a fantastic job overall. And in a movie where it would have been easy for Rocket Raccoon or Christopher Pratt as Star-Lord to kind of take over, yeah. he had his moments in a, in a film where he probably shouldn't have had his moments. I'm going to go on, I'll mention Stay in Guardians of the Galaxy, give it to Vin Diesel for Groot. Even though he only says three words, God damn, and you have, can't say in those past couple of weeks since the movie's been out, that's not the one thing everybody's been saying over and over and he over again. He dubbed that one Thousand times in multiple languages. Think about he did, that. It was, I was reading an article where he said he did like twenty takes just to get it right. Yo soy Groot. Yes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that would sound like <laughs> I'm doing Spanish language, and then I get Guardians of the Galaxy on Blu-ray just to hear that. Yes, but no, I mean you know I will mention you know best movie X Men Days of Future Past. Yeah, I think you've got to give that a nod, and that was a movie, and I think that for the reason that. It was one of those movies you were worried about going in. Yeah. Because, again, you said, is this going to be a Wolverine movie? Are they going to screw this up? You know, because of the things that they've done in the past. And it turned out to be a spectacular success. Yes. So, I mean, those are our first annual Nerdy Awards. Again, send us, post your your, your winners. We have the categories on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash downnerdy. That's going to do it for this episode of Down Nerdy. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Um, we hope you, you know, we talked about Robin Williams. We hope that we opened your eyes about, you know, how to prevent, you know, for suicide prevention. Again, we're going to post the number for the suicide hotline on our page for if you are going through those troubling times, you know, um, feel free to use that and call and talk to somebody. But again, that's going to do it for us here at Down Nerdy. Follow us on Twitter at downnerd 757 I'm at Nick Batego 25 James. I'm at James A. Switham. And, of course, Nick mentioned you can also email your categories to downandnerdypodcast at gmail.com. Winners, excuse me, not categories. And, as always, people, practice safe combo reading. Always bag and board your comics. And rest in peace, Robin Williams. <laughs>